Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. This Ace Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Check out their spring collection. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. This is Ace Cast Live. Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away back. Goal. Oh, hey. It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of A's Cast Live. It's Tuesday, right? Correct. All these days are the same. It's baseball, it's the A's, it's the Yankees, and I'm excited. Well, I'm excited because Eno Saris, our baseball columnist, is going to be here today. We'll continue to honor the great Vita Blue, three-time World Series champion, Cy Young Award winner, MVP with his teammate, the great second baseman. Dick Green will be here at 145. And then we haven't talked to him in a while. You know, we, we, we used to have him on before he was working for everybody else. I mean, we kind of helped make the pitching ninja. <laughs> Rob Friedman, the pitching ninja, will be here at 2 o'clock. And is he part of the problem? Ooh, didn't you didn't think I was going to go there, did you? Well, packing guy where he can defend himself. I like it. Well, I mean, it's just it, it's, it, it's, it's becoming apparent that our huge emphasis, and we'll talk to Eno about this, our huge emphasis on what he would call stuff plus of players trying to live in certain ranges with their pitches, velocity, spin, uh, horizontal break. Well, you can talk about vertical break, but trying to trying to always be within a range, the pressure that it puts on your body, these pitchers. Like, I'm going through our notes today, and I was reading about, uh, which game was it? The Rockies and the Pirates. 
and Herman Marquez. I, you just forget, oh, yeah, he's having Tommy John surgery. Then you said to me right before the show, hey, is Luis Garcia the Astro? I'm like, yeah. I texted you that how many days ago? I'm like, Luis Garcia's having Tommy John. We can't keep up with who's – I mean, the list of guys Tommy John is so long. It's so unbelievable. And now the injury, the scapula injury, which our old buddy – you maybe we should get Brandon McCarthy on. Brandon McCarthy – was like the original scapula guy. And you're like, wait a minute, that's that thing in your backpack here? The sca- you got two scapulas, you know? Like, what? And now everybody, like Scherzer's battling it now. I mean, we've had DeGrom battle it. I mean, it's unbelievable the amount of injuries. And it's, these guys are trying to take their bodies to the max constantly, and they just can't do it. And the pitching ninja with putting the videos out of how, well, look how, how fast he throws it, and look at the sink, and look at all the, you know, it's great when pitchers do it until their bodies go, nah, this isn't working anymore. There was an art to pitching. There's an art to not throwing full max from pitch one to pitch, well, now we even let, barely let you go 100. Guys would say, put it in the tank. So when I need to hump up and I need this strikeout, I can add four or five miles an hour velocity. I can do that because you're not seeing that first time through the order. I'm not giving you 99 first time through the order. I'm throwing strikes. I'm paying, and that's another thing, too. As much as we talk about velocity and all these different things that we can see on Baseball Savant, it's still location is key, and that's what you see last night with J.P. Sears. J.P. Sears is rolling, and then all of a sudden, it's not velocity. It's a, it's it's his location. And, of course, the cheapy Yankee home runs. Not all of them are cheapy, but uh, I was going over last night in the postgame show. Uh, Cabrera's was cheap, 339 to let me know. I mean, the, the ball Ramon Laureano got hurt on, the Torres fly to right was 319. That is a routine fly ball. And basically, I would say in 97 or so percent of all American baseball fields, in the barring wind, you can go to any high school field, anyway, everything, pretty much everything's about 330 down the lines, right? Yankee Stadium is the biggest cheapy place that there is. 319 goes to the wall. That's like a pony league field, for God's sakes. Eh. You, like, hit it off the end of the bat. Eh. Or you get jammed, and the ball almost goes out. That's a joke. I don't know what's more impressive, watching the cheap home runs that went out or Aaron Hicks hitting a home run and Yankee fans booing him as he's rounding the bases. I mean, they disliked him so much that they booed him after a home I run. I called it. Didn't I call it? I said, you're going to be hearing boos when the A's are at Yankee Stadium, and it has nothing to do with us. <laughs> They hate this team. They can't stand their Yankees. Their Yankees are all old. They're all hurt. They don't hit. Well, they got. How old is Aaron Hicks now? Uh, Hicks hitting 153. That was his first run of the year. Uh, 33. Wow. They are old, man. Well, they're getting judged back today. They are old. He's 32. Yeah, he's. How old is John Carlo? Uh, I think John Carlo might be right around my age, 33-ish. He might be a year younger. Oh, I think he's older than that. John Carlo is 33. What's Donaldson? Uh, but he's older than I am. Donaldson's like 36, maybe. Let's see. Josh Donaldson 
37. Look, it's old guy. They got, okay, John Carlo, they're saying, is left hamstring because, remember, he, he had a double when he came pulling up. I remember seeing the highlights. You got left hamstring for Stanton, right hamstring for Donaldson, Rodon, which, by the way, our, our friends at John Boy are saying that he could be done for the year. He's got forearm and back, but it's the forearm. His wife, because that's always good when the wife responds on Twitter, his wife, Ashley, responds with uh, BS. I'm not going to spell it out to you because it's a family program, but she writes bull blank in a tweet uh, saying that he's out for the year. Can you imagine he's out for the year? Frankie Montas, out for the year with the shoulder. Uh, E-Frost, out. Trevino, out. Both Tommy John. I mean, this whole team is and, – and Lou's, Lou's in his 30s now, right? Lou is – let's see, Lou Trevino. Because when he came up with us, he was like 27. Yeah, Lou Trevino, the great Slippery Rock. Love me some Lou Trevino. He's a great guy. Uh, just had Tommy John surgery also. Yep. 31 years old. Every one of these guys we're talking about for them is old. Uh, Frankie Montas is getting up there. He's another guy. Frankie's got to be in his 30s, right? Frankie, if not, he's, he might have just turned 30. Uh, Aaron Judge is 31. Don't shortchange him. He's 31. Frankie is 30. Yeah. He just turned 30 a lot. Every of one of these guys. We're not talking 22, 23. Yeah, we're not talking Glaber or. 27. Every one of these guys is 30s. You, you know who's playing for them? Volpe's playing. He's, what, 22, 21? And he's jumping around the field, and he's hitting 200. Uh, whatever. Um, well, Yankee fans love him. He's an ex-Jeter. It's like you tell they us. They don't love him. He's batting two. Uh, let me get it. I'm sorry to 200. He's hitting 205. Well, the disrespect. And to, his uh, three home Min- runs are cheapy Jeter. <laughs> eh, out to right field. I God, I hate the Yankees. And you know what? You want me to say it again? I said it last year. I'll say it again this year. Well, I don't really have to say anything this year because they're in last place. Yeah. Uh, Your Yankees are in last. Oh, oh, and by the way, you want some Yankee hate? Let's do it all over again. 32 of the club's 46 home runs have come where? Via the home run. At Yankee Stadium. At Yankee Stadium. Because it seems like, I don't know, it's built in the same. They're built right next to each other. It just seems like left field is even more of a bandbox than the <laughs> old ballpark. Like, it just seems like it just seems like left, right, right, so... Down the right field line all the way towards right center literally is a bandbox. It's a joke. It seems like left field as you, at left field foul pole all the way to left. That is a bandbox. It's amazing. Like they hit these home runs and they're they're like 336. And these guys are running around pimping it. And you're like, that's an out in other ballparks. But that's, that's why I love baseball savant. If you watch the home runs, it'll tell you. Out of you know, out of how many ballparks is it gone? Mostly gone or out of here? And they'll tell you like, most time if it's a home run Yankee Stadium, most time it's not out of any other ballpark. All seven of the Yankees' runs on Monday came via the home run. They are forty four point two percent of everything they do runs wise is based off home runs. Twins continue to be that team. I, it's amazing how the Twins is fifty percent basically of the Twins' runs come from home runs. Yankees, I mean that's. They either hit home runs or they don't. And we know that if that's how you rely on how to score for a season 
and then the postseason, you're not going to win. Do you want to say it right now? You made the same claim last year. Do I need to do it again? Last year I did it at the end of June. Something like that, yeah. Now we're in May. Yankees will not be in the World Series, nor will the Yankees win the World Series. Mark the tape. I did it last year. It's May 9th. I'll tell you again. They are, as a colleague of ours once called LeBron James, a flawed player, which was the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Dumbest thing I've ever heard. Remember that? LeBron James is a flawed player. You homer, you warrior homer hack. I I don't know. I heard Mike Greenberg say on on Hembo's show today, uh, get up, that – the Warriors should or the Lakers should just not even think about playing LeBron and AD essentially today and just tank Game Five then, today. No, tomorrow and then when and then there he's like they're not winning Game Five. T- have them ready to play Game Six. So just tank away a game and then instead of trying to close it up. I don't know. I don't know. I, the, I, LeBron's a flawed player. I'm bad. not at si- as much as I love Himbo. I'm not up at six a.m. talking uh, LeBron. Group. Talking LeBron. Yeah, Lebr- <laughs> LeBron now has scored more buckets, more two pointers than anybody in the history of basketball. Passing the captain, the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Your daughter's not impressed by that stat either. No, my daughter actually <laughs> – my daughter, guys, we're preparing for this show, very astutely uh, called it out going, can't they have a dumb stat for everything? Yeah, what was their thing? You can have as, ma- uh, as many two-pointers made in the first minute or something. I was like, you know what, that's actually – she's not wrong. She's not wrong. <laughs> she's not and wrong there, there's, the, and, and, and in baseball, there's there's all these people that would use stuff like that. People will use any number they can to justify an argument. That's very true. They'll use that. So my daughter, my daughter made. So this is a seventeen-year-old who just did their AP testing for English. Yesterday was uh, calculus. Calculus. I'm like, I got no shot. I can't help my kids with their homework. I got no idea. But she, uh, they just are doing their AP testing, and she comes home and she's listening to us, and she's like, she goes, "That's a dumb stat." And I'm like, well, Sports Illustrated did this thing. So basically, Matt Steinmetz of 95.7 The Game, my old radio partner, we did a show together. We also did Warriors together. A lot of you forget I did Warriors pre- and post-game show for two championships. Um, we always joke of a colleague of ours. You saw LeBron's a flawed player. It was, like, so stupid. And so I sent him this Sports Illustrated article about how LeBron is now past Kareem for the most – two-pointers, the most buckets uh, in playoff history. And I said, oh, LeBron's a flawed player, huh? And he had some choice words that were funny about our old colleague. And so I'm telling him the story, and my daughter just calls it out and goes, you can make a stat for anything. I went, that's true. And baseball people do do that. Oh, yeah, I got a whole thing on Shane Bieber, who's pitching well, but, oh, my God, the optics aren't good. The data – He's not throwing as hard. His whiff rate's not as good, but he's getting outs. Yeah, he's I, getting outs. Isn't that like in the end, like what you're supposed to like? Human beings can be a little different from year to year. Uh, not in the baseball world. We need you to have the exact same spin, the exact same velocity every single year. We're now going to worry about it. Oh my God, what's wrong? Uh, I thought of you yesterday before we get to Eno. Thought of you yesterday. Mitch Keller of the Pirates had a shutout going. Oh, Mitchy! He had eight innings of, and he had a shutout, ninety-six pitches. And I was like, and "Pull him!" They literally and on Twitter, him. big talking point from amongst Pirate fans. Pull him! Shelton's let him. I can't. I, can't, I, I thought Derek Shelton. I know it's gave him extension. I thought he was gonna be fired on the spot. Keller Pull went him. out. Keller went out and pitched the ninth inning. How many pitches did he throw in the ninth inning? Oh, probably. Well, people are so worried. It probably like thirty. He threw nine. 
uh, the great Amelia Schimmel. I told you I had a conversation with her. You know, everybody was like, "Oh, we're gonna sorry, Mason, seven, sorry, Mason Miller. We got a poem. It's a hundred. Oh my God, I got a poem because that last, you know, those last couple innings, he could. He's already back home. He's yeah. back home. We're looking at it. We're looking at it. Was it a flexor tendon situation? Yeah, according to this, Martin Gallegos tweeted it yesterday. As we said, does it matter? It doesn't matter if he pitches 100, if he pitches 90, he could have pitched 70. These guys who are now, everything is balls to the wall, throw as hard as you can, and we all go, this is amazing. They can't withstand it. So that's why if you do have something historic going on, go for it. He's already won – you saw him pitch against the Royals. Was there any problem? No. But now all of a sudden, so you took him out. You babied him. You babied him. We baby these guys. We baby them and they still get hurt. There's no scientific evidence on anything about how to protect these guys and how to make sure they don't get hurt. They're all going to get hurt. You throw 100 miles an hour and you're doing it every single time, and you're warming up in the bullpen at 100, and you're pitching at 100, you're going to get hurt. It's just there's nothing you can do. Yeah, so he's going to undergo some evaluations from the A's team doctors. He's already back in Oakland. Hopefully, the quote from Mark Kotze, uh, I have right here, was, from our end, based on the trainers doing the evaluation, it looks more like a flexor muscle as opposed to anything else. Uh, we're going to go through the process to determine the injury. It's tough to speculate. We're hoping for the best. And you could be shocked if, if – I mean, I don't want to even say it, but – I mean, what? He could have pitched 70 that night that he had 100 pitches. He could have pitched 70 and we're right where we are. Yeah. He could have pitched 35. He could have went through the first batter. He could have pitched 130. He could have pitched 30, 130. It doesn't matter. You can't protect these guys. It's such fl- – like, it's so tough because the medical community has to be very safe especially what they say publicly. But they're going to tell you, we can't protect these guys. It doesn't matter how many. And for some reason, flawed baseball people who don't have medical degrees act like they know what they're talking about by saying, well, we're going to protect these guys. And then after the baseball people say it, then the broadcasters, you know, the play-by-play guys are going to, they're going, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you can't do it. And there's no scientific medical proven date, nothing. Nothing. It's unbelievable. But I'll tell you one thing that I'm excited about. My top five in the lineup today, I'm juiced about. This, this gets me excited. You know what? Not much gets Eno Saris excited. Maybe a nice beer named after him. Maybe a nice sandwich named after him. I'm just wondering if what gets me excited gets Eno excited. Please play is open. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. Leading off today for the Oakland Athletics, Ruiz. Batting second, Noda. Hitting third, Rooker. Hitting fourth, Blade. Hitting fifth, Langoliers. Now that is something I can look at, Eno. I can say, other than Rooker, young players, but Rooker's having a hell of a year, but that's young players that could be the future of this team. 
I'm not seeing guys who are 33. I'm not seeing guys who are 32. I'm not seeing guys that are not going to be here next year. We're actually playing guys, the first five guys, who actually, if I close my eyes, can they be A's in three years? Yes. My, we're, you know what? It's May 9th. Mark the tape. It's May 9th. We're finally putting a lineup out there that makes sense. Yeah, it's starting to percolate. You know, I think uh, J.P. Sears has been throwing the ball well. Yeah. I can't forget about uh, Seth Brown uh, coming back from uh, his oblique strain will give them, you know, I think, yeah, I think a, a, like a, a representative, interesting, young, five, six them in the lineup. Um, and uh, you just need to have some of someone other than Sears start to, you know, and, and Miller, um start to step forward in that rotation. I think that the the reason they won't be good this year, <clears throat> even despite that sort of coming together, is the bullpen. But that is also something that you can kind of change year to year pretty fast. So, you know, I think if you start to take some of the starters and put them in the bullpen um, because you, you, you've tried them as starters, that's how you start to make your bullpen better from within. And then the market is always full of, short-term relievers you know that's something that uh these a's have always done well i'm gonna have to you know i normally don't come down your road but i'm gonna have to challenge you stuff plus and the athletic by the way eno saris our national columnist from the athletic here on a's cast live i'm gonna have to chat when we bring up Patton, garcia and pruitt you can't tell me that the 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 bullpen with the highest ERA just didn't dramatically improve in stuff plus. <laughs> I'm coming down your road, my friend. I actually, uh, hey, actually really like Pruitt. Patton's 35. We're bringing experience. I, I actually like Pruitt. Uh, you know, my model says he has a really good uh, slider, so uh, I think he's 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 a, a worthwhile guy. But yeah, I mean the the bullpen's on pace to be. Uh, one of the worst uh, of all time. It's just, uh, it's unfortunate. It's uh, it's something that happens, I think, when you're rebuilding. All right. So I've been kind of dabbling with some orthopedic surgeons, guys in the Bay Area who actually perform Tommy John surgeries because I'm just, I'm fed up with this 100 pitches. There's no scientific data whatsoever in the medical world that 100, that you can't pitch to 100, you can't pitch over 100. There is absolutely no science. Trust the data. There's no scientific data about 100 pitches and injuries. There's just not. These are medical doctors who perform Tommy John surgery. But I'm going to say to you, this is something that they're concerned about. So forget my opinion. This is what they're concerned about is the fact that we have these athletes trying to perform at max effort every single time they throw the ball. The fact is, you're going to love them. You're going to have your model. You're going to say, look at this guy's stuff plus. It's amazing. The problem is the human body cannot withstand this. They can't withstand always going balls to the wall. That's why pitchers of yesteryear, they didn't throw their best fastball in the first inning. They didn't give it everything. DeGrom comes out there and he's giving you everything from pitch one to pitch, let's say, 85. The elbow, the shoulder, now the scapula. We never talked scapula back in the day. This is, I mean, Scherzer's dealing with it right now. They're worried he's going to be blown out. I mean, we're at a point with so many Tommy John surgeries. I mean, 
I mean, it's, it's it's a medical thing. We're not medical doctors. It's just there's something about everybody with velocity, and we talk about every breaking ball and the spin and everything. It just seems like guys' bodies can't hold up. Yeah, there's <clears throat> when you look at the research, there's a, a couple uh, really interesting findings that I think um, underline what you're talking about. One is um, that the, the the harder you throw, like the closer you throw to your personal maximum is the more stress you put on your elbow. Yeah. So it's not it's not that like <clears throat> the guy who throws 98 definitely always is putting more stress on his elbow than the guy who throws 91. That's not necessarily true. If the guy who throws 91 maxes at 92 and he's always throwing 91. Correct, yes. And the guy who throws 98 can go to 103, then the guy throwing 91 is putting more stress on his body yeah. relative. He's maxed out. Um, you're ma- yeah, he's maxed Everybody's out, so. maxed different. Well, <clears throat> put it this way. There's only been in our lifetime, I think, of two guys that did it for a really, really long time, and they didn't have the elbow prop. I think of Nolan Ryan, and, and once again, without PEDs, I think of Nolan Ryan, and I think of Randy Johnson. You talk about guys I, I have a, that threw I have a for, modern version. That <clears throat> threw Justin for, Verlander. Verlander used to sit 94, and then in the in the last inning, you'd see some 98s. And Correct. he was relatively healthy. And what happened? As he got older, the max came down. He couldn't throw 98 anymore. But that's why but I don't include him, though. Nolan he Wright, still wanted to throw 94, so he just threw 94 against a 96 max, and that's when he got hurt. But, but, but the reason why I bring up Randy Johnson, Nolan Ryan – they were always at top speed for, for a long, long time. I mean, Nolan Ryan was throwing 98 at 46 miles an hour. Before. There's two guys that pretty much their entire career without major injuries were, were able to, to, to max it to out. To withstand it. Ah, uh, yeah, That's yeah, where yeah, I'm yeah, going. Yeah. I, I think that uh, that's unfortunate, though, because you have guys like that. This is just unicorns. And, you yeah. and like, you know, you can't just point. There's a lot of people point to Nolan Ryan a lot. And I'm just like, I don't know, man. That guy was weird in a lot of different ways. <laughs> like he's, it's like it's, Tom Brady. How do you play quarterback at 45 years old? It's just. Yeah, you just gonna yeah. are you gonna say that to everybody now? Oh well, Tom Brady went to forty five, so why can't you? You know, <laughs> so that's one thing. The other the other thing is that we talked about this before is that uh, velocity is is more the source of stress. But if you account for breaking balls, uh, then breaking balls thrown at really high velocity are and that's really in vogue. Like, because not only do we have Degrom's ninety four mile an hour slider. But we have this whole thing called the gyro slider, which is a basically an 89 to 91 mile an hour slider. It's not a cutter anymore. It actually has a little bit of depth. And that pitch was the pitch before the sweeper. I literally just talked to Bryce Miller after his start against Oakland. Um, uh, on I forget when, but recently, I think it was Friday. Um, and Bryce Miller said, when I was coming up in the minor leagues, they taught me the gyro slider. That was the hot thing. The hot thing was the 89 mile an hour, you know, slider. And so I learned that. And now they're teaching me the hot thing is the sweeper. Well, guess what's true about the sweeper? Every bit of velocity makes it better. So if you could throw the sweeper 87, it's better than throwing the sweeper 83. So now I'm telling the kids, hey, I want you to throw an 89 mile an hour slider. Oh, by the way, velo is the best thing you can do for your whole arsenal. And, uh, oh, now throw this sweeper. Oh, it's also better if you throw it harder. So all of the analytics, all of the sort of uh, data is telling them to throw harder. And the market is telling them to throw harder. And you're going to get more money. Look at Jake DeGrom getting 180. There are other people who throw way more innings that got way less money. 
And so the market rewards excellence on a per inning basis and doesn't seem to care as much about soaking up innings or having many innings. So Kyle Gibson gets 30 million. Jake DeGrom gets 180 million until the market changes. The kids are just going to look at where they can get paid. Yeah, and then you got guys like me who go and look at bullpen ERAs and when 20 of the team's bullpen bullpen ERAs is over 3.70 all the way up to where we are at, what, 7-something? You start to realize you don't get those innings because we're paying per inning of greatness per inning, but they're not great. They're not a lot of innings. All of a sudden, your bullpens are, are just absolutely whack. But you're right. You know, it might be one thing where we're saying you're going full max – on fastball, but when we start manipulating the side of the ball and we're going full max and we're causing – because the minute we start doing any type of movement with our hands, with our grip, right? While also having the arm speed of a fastball. Correct. Is that where all of a sudden the the ligament – so essentially your UCL – There is research that suggests that's true, yeah. It it goes right – it's your funny bone, folks. You can feel your funny bone. It goes right in here. And when you have Tommy John surgery, they take the surgery – and they put a, basically like a bow on it and put it outside that groove. But inside that groove, when you're doing this all the time, for some reason, that tendon can't can't take it. Did you ever have surgery? No. Hmm. I did hurt my elbow and my shoulder. I actually hurt my shoulder my senior year, and then I was like, well, I'm done. I'm going to be a broadcaster. I'm not. And over, <laughs> and over time, over time, I don't have a problem. I can still wing the hell out of a football. I can still throw a baseball. But, yeah, no, I never had Tommy John. And you know what? I never played with it. Think about all the years I played. I played baseball for, from the time I was a little kid till my senior year. I would have been, what, 22 years old or whatever. Never played once with a guy who had Tommy John surgery. Hmm. And I played in the number one baseball conference in the country at the time where it's, you know, you guys remember we had Phil Nevin. We had Jason Giambi. We had Mark Kotze. We had Bobby Jones at now Fresno. We're talking about all these guys who were the You golden... wouldn't have come through that same conference now and, the, and said the same thing. The you, would go- have, you would have known many people that had Tommy John. Correct. Nobody did. Like, nobody had Tommy John. Sir. It's crazy. Yeah. But the earlier you have it, uh, the shorter your career is, and uh, and the more likely you are to have a second. That That's also research. So... You know, I think if I was uh, coaching a young player that did have a lot of velo, um, you know, especially in college or whatever, uh, I, I, my focus would be on long-term health with a, the younger the player is, high school and college. And um, I would tell them, leave a lot of velo in your back pocket because you can get drafted just on the fact that you hit 96, 97, 98, you know? Yeah. And it'll be healthier for you if you, through your college years, sit 92, 93 off of that 98. You know, or, you know, don't go all the way max through through college and high school and, and save that. Save like, honestly, save that for when you're getting paid. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like, save that. Save the elbow. Or you're trying you're to get paid. paid. You're you're try- right before you need to get that contract. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we also you also and I have heard this from pitchers that um, they, they don't mind going full bore and blowing out once they get to the majors, uh, oh. because then they'll be on the major league I.L. Isn't that amazing that we have people that actually say that publicly where they'll say, 
It's o- I, I'm okay with uh, blowing out. I mean, it's just it's. But it's a it's a job, right? Like it's, it's a crazy. job like any other. You don't want to blow out when you're you're making twenty thousand a year. I mean, do you worry about what do you worry about blowing out working for the athletic? <laughs> my my creativity bone. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know what to write anymore. All right. Yes. Okay. I think we're past the uh, point where we go. Um, the Rays are really good, but I think we just know the Rays are really good. I would rather focus on who are you really worried about, right? The Phillies got off to a bad start, but they kind of, okay. Um, it seems to me in St. Louis, they're caught Contreras now, and, oh, they got to let everybody know there's meetings going on. I mean, it was already the way Marmol handled the playoffs now this year. I mean, it starts looking like a dumpster fire, and there's just always issues, and they had issues with guys hustling earlier in the year. And now I look at the Mets. The Mets are spending more money than anybody in the history of baseball. So who are the teams that were supposed to be good and they're spending a grip of cash that you're starting to go, eh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, St. Louis is the bottom 10 uh, pitching staff and a bottom five rotation is, is on the top of my list. Um, you know, New York just looking uh, older. You know, what's amazing about this, I'm looking right now at teams pitching staffs and New York, uh, the New York Mets are 29th in overall by Fangraphs War. And uh, it doesn't even have to just be War. Uh, but the reason why War matters here a little bit is because they pitch in a pitcher's park. So when I tell you that they have, you know, a bottom five ERA, that's rough. They're not a Coors Field? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, or Mexico City? <laughs> so, uh, and it's been it's been a, a tale of injuries, and some of that is shooting themselves in the own foot. It's like the same thing with the Cardinals where, um, you know, you say, well, you know, you guys were projected to have a bad rotation to start the year, and uh, you just kept thinking that whatever magic you had with Yachty and the defense in that park was just going to keep continuing. Um, and then you brought in Wilson Contreras, who's not known as a as a great defensive uh, catcher. I'm not going to put it all on him anyway, but I'm just saying, like from a planning perspective, there is you could poke some holes in that planning. I don't even think you have to do that. Um, you know, looking backwards, you could have probably done that. Uh, you know, b- before the season started, and there were people saying, "Hey, the Mets are really old uh, in the in the rotation." I mean, Kodai Senga, I think, was a, a huge signing for them because. You know, it was at least somebody that was close to 30. The other two aces that they had are 40. And it doesn't always have to be like, oh, Tommy John. It can be a neck like it is for Max Scherzer or a back or an oblique, uh, whatever Justin Verlander's coming off of. So, um, you know, when you have these old guys, Carlos Carrasco uh, looks like he might not be playable uh, as a a starting pitcher anymore. So, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the end comes for people and usually it comes in the, in the mid thirties, late, late thirties. And, you know, they, they, they were walking that tightrope there. And I, and I don't think that they necessarily had the player development process in place to like have ready-made replacements uh, coming from behind. I mean, Tyler Megill was, is okay. And David, and David um, Peterson is okay, but you know, they're not, they're not churning out guys like the Dodgers or whatever. So uh, it, it looks like an old team all of a sudden. You know, it's funny when, you know, I, I write down the standings in my scorebook when I put the – so I do the A's, so I always have the American League West, and then I have the other team, whoever we're playing, and I put their standings up. It truly is amazing that I'm looking at the New York Yankees being in last place. 
It's not like they're under 500. Now I can rip them and they're old and they got, they've got their problems, whatever. But the point of this question is everybody in the East is over 500. And they're yeah. all projecting for high win totals. They play each other less. So that, what, allows them to go feast on everybody else instead of beat upon each other as much? I mean, what are you making of this AL East? Because are they going to have not only their their champion will the, – the, the team that wins the, the East will be in the playoffs, but are all the wild card teams going to be them too? I mean, this division's impressive. I think it's very likely. I mean – you, you could say it one way. You say, okay, well, they used to play in-division opponents 19 times. Now it's 16 times. It's only three-game difference. But if you think about it from the race perspectives, that's three fewer games against four teams. So that's 12 fewer games. So all of a sudden you're playing 12 fewer games against all good teams in the Orioles, Blue Jays, Red Sox, and Yankees. And those 12 games are replaced by, you know, uh, you know, who knows, you know, could be the Royals could be, you know, in terms of who you were playing last year. So, um, you know, I think that really has helped them. And that's why people said early on, well, the Rays schedule really helped them. Well, yes. And they were a great team. Um, and the schedule is going to, going to help, uh, the, the big conferences. And I think the big, the big conferences, like in, in college football speak are the AL East, the NL East, um, in the West, the Centrals are, are, are falling behind. They have uh, multiple, multiple teams in, in, uh, on the wrong side of 500. The AL Central, for example, second place is under 500. Yeah, and you, you look at a team that we're, we, we all said out where we are. You know, like, oh, Jeff Blum told us, the great Cal Bear, now uh, World Series hero for the White Sox, now TV guy for, for the Astros, told us, you know, if you were to – Bet against the Astros early. Yeah, they're going to have some issues. I mean, obviously, they still got Altuve out. Brantley's got, what, the shoulder still he hasn't played. And i missing Verlander. But all of a sudden, Luis Garcia has Tommy John surgery. I mean, you start to look at the Astros and you go, wow, as great as they have been six straight years in the ALCS, four World Series, won two of them. Man, they are looking beatable right now. Yeah. I like the, the, the Yankees and the Astros. I'm not as worried about um, like the, for example, the Yankees are still above 500. The, the Astros are basically at it. Um, and I don't think that the injury uh, news has been great for either team uh, in the early going. Um, but I'm a little bit more worried about the Astros uh, just because they, they, you know, when letting Verlander go, that's fine. They, they, they had Hunter Brown. Hunter Brown has been great. Um, but then behind Hunter Brown, uh, you know, it would have been better if they had Verlander and Hunter Brown comes up and then Verlander's healthy and then Luis Garcia's out. You know what I mean? Like the, the yeah. depth behind them is not really there. The next guy up is JP France. He's okay. He's got uh, some good stuff, but not great command. And, you know, the odds are he comes up and then somebody else goes down. So Jose Arquiti's already hurt. And the next guy is Force Whitley, who just can't find the plate. So I don't even know that, like, I think they're really stretched to the point where I don't think they necessarily have another starter that can step in if some, like, they might be doing bullpen games and and and, and Brandon Belak games. And um, I, I think that's really going to hurt them. And then I think the Jose Abreu signing was a bad one. Uh, I think Jose Abreu's numbers against the fastball have really been in decline uh, for about five years now, and they've continued to be in decline. And when that, when I see that, it says to me that the bat speed is gone. 
Um, and so if the bat speed is gone for him, then and, and Brantley's older, uh, then you're really hoping uh, for somebody to step up and, and be a good batter. I don't think Dubon is that. I think he's a he's a fine glue guy. Uh, and I'm not sure that any of their young guys are, are ready to step in other than Jeremy Pena uh, and be a star. So their their uh, player development engine has stalled a little bit. Cody, you all right with that? You, I mean, you thought Abreu was like the signing of Ted Williams back in the offseason. You okay with that? I mean, they let Gurriel go for – I thought they were going to plug, plug and play, as they say. Wow, yeah. wow. You know, one guy I want to bring up to you, there's always going to be mixed feelings about Matt Chapman. I loved Matt Chapman. Now, Matt Chapman rubs some people wrong. That's just a reality. I love the guy. I like thought, a, he's just a bit of a red ass, right? Like he just worked really hard and how, didn't, well, I mean, you know, didn't have time to sort of joke around. There's however you want to see it. I'm just okay. saying I like Matt Chapman. I yeah, love yeah. him. Uh, I would have loved to play with him. I mean, he came to win every single day. There was things yeah. off the field, but whatever. Matt Chapman, I was worried. Like he turned down the supposed 150 million. We had him on, and I'm thinking, man, if he never gets this money, I'm going to feel bad for him. Uh, what's so interesting, if you look at Matt Chapman, two tw- in 2020 at 232, 2021 he at 210, last year he at 229, he's hitting 349 this year leading baseball. I mean, that's dramatic. Now, you could say playing in that band box, we can talk about juice ball, whatever. What is so – people talked about he's changed his swing a little bit. What is the big difference that's turned Matt Chapman from hitting below 230 to now hitting almost 350? Well, one answer is definitely there's a fair amount of luck. <laughs> <He's>, uh, <laughs> his batting average on balls and play is way up. But, yeah. um, you know, I remember the book being uh, that you could blow the bye-bye uh, Matt Chapman up high. And uh, he had a good low ball swing. Uh, he could turn on the ball inside, but anything sort of above the belt and over the plate, uh, he had trouble with. And I'm looking right now at the heat map of uh, his ability to make contact on those pitches. He's really improved it. Um, you know, it used to be really blue all the way across the top. Uh, now you basically have to tightrope walk with him and you have to get it really at the top end of the strike zone. He can actually do some damage now uh, around the belt over the plate. Um, and that's a different thing there. So now I, I do believe he's he's uh, he's fixed a hole, plus some 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 good luck. So, but you know, it's always uh, it's it's really important to to do that. And you can see it in other places where there's not as much noise, like his strikeout rate um, after being really high in 2020. It's gone down every year, and it's back to kind of where he was when he was at his best in 2018 and 2019 around 25% right now. His swinging strike rate is down. That swinging strike rate points to me to that thing, that he's kind of covered this hole. And it reminds me of other guys that have struggled with high pitches and and figured out a way to cover the hole, which is, you know, like Kyle Schwarber, Cody Bellinger. There are other guys who've had a little bit more of a loopy low ball swing that have figured out uh, some movements in order to to get to the high ball. And so I think there's a the marriage of really good adjustment plus uh, the fact that uh, he's getting some some good luck. Let's end on this. I put a beer in front of you. It's been a long day, and you're thirsty. What is your stuff plus to get that thing down? 
What's the what's the question? What's your set to get that beer down? How fast is that? To, what's your stuff plus? Are you are you you, <laughs> you attacking that thing? Uh, if, if it's a good like pilsner and it's a and it's a hot day and uh, I'm at the game, I, I can maybe dust one away pretty quickly. Yeah, because yeah, you're getting into you're about to get into. I mean, we're not there yet. I mean, outside it's still pretty cloudy, but. We're not far away from getting into your. I'm more of a. I'm more of a. It's for the taste. I'm savoring it. Well, no, you're going to be into your summertime beers. We're going to be getting into what, how Eno. Now we're talking crushers. You, you, you like you get out of spring and you get into summer Eno. I'm always interested in your and what happens when it warms up. How you change because drinking that thick beer. Yeah, tough in the summertime. I'm going to call it the summer of the cold IPA. The cold IPA is an IPA that has basically been lagered, and so it tastes a little bit more like a lager. It's it's thinner. It's crisper. Uh, so let's call it the summer of the cold IPA. You know, it'll get hot, and then you want the cold IPA. Yeah, whatever's in that cup at your kid's Little League game, I mean, you got to... <laughs> I'm not supposed to say that. <laughs> Don't you love that? How you got the parents out in right field with the solo cups? It's like that's right. Let them enjoy right. themselves. I, I saw someone do it uh, like a. Uh, they did a diagram of little league games, and they're like, you know, behind behind the home plate is where the guys that thought they should be the coach are. You know. <laughs> Here are the grandpas over here sitting on the bleachers. Yeah. And then and then there was like, and here are the the guys with beer in their in their coffee cups. Yeah. yeah. And out in center field. You got the dad who thinks his kid's the next Mickey Mantle and he's yelling at his kid, but then you got the And he's dad. he's like on the fence yelling at his kid. <laughs> yelling at the coach. Oh at the God. umpires, anybody. That is good. Play the man is close. The Eno Sarah Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. Have a great week, my friend. You too. Eno Saris, our national baseball columnist. That's funny. That actually is really funny. We got to look that up. The diagram of the Little League dad. Oh, I totally believe it. As a oh, former, totally. As a former Little League coach for a couple seasons, I totally remember it. And this, and this was in Pennsylvania, Western PA. I never, I haven't done it here. I coach basketball here, and I've seen it in basketball too. Yeah, where you got the dad that thinks his kids all everything. By the way, the numbers on Matt Chapman. I mean, isn't that crazy. He hit two twenty nine last year. The year before, two ten. He's sitting three fifty now. I um, mean, it's it's a it's a dramatic. It's like, why the hell didn't you do that with us? I think, uh, I mean, it does help. How many home runs does he have? I'm already gone. Oh, I know he's decent on home runs, a 349 batting average. I think the only guy hitting higher than him in baseball is Luis Arise, who's hitting like 420. Uh, but he's on a whole other stratosphere right now. Uh, but, yeah, Chapman, he clearly fixed something with his swing. And it's a contract year. How many guys are always good in a contract year? Aaron Judge last year. Adrian Beltre, he was never really a big guy. Then he was in a contract year, 48 home runs. And how old is he? Chapman's 30. Yeah. Well, same age as Aaron Judge. Yeah, contract year, and he's 30. He signed a big deal, and three years later, you're like, Do we Should we have signed him to that deal? Ooh. Well, I, I'm curious if the Blue Jays will keep him. They might. It'll be What does Boris get for him? Well, let's just see how it ends up, right? But – you know, somebody, whoever had that, what was the conversation we were listening to about the Rays? We're like, listen, 
reason why the Rays are the Rays and they don't have the problems of the people because they don't get emotionally attached to anybody. And they're, they're like Bill Walsh back in the day. Get rid of guys. That was Eno, I'm pretty sure. No, it wasn't Eno. Was it Eno? I think it was Eno. Might have been. Oh, yeah. It was just like they just – they don't – they just – they don't play. And it's very tough, but it, it just – it is what it is. And they don't – they don't get bogged down by contracts. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Three-time World Series champion known as one of the best defensive players of his time. Dick, it's Chris Townsend with the Oakland A's. Thank you for coming on the program. Hi, Chris. Uh, obviously, the, these are these are very tough times to hear about your old teammate Vita Blue, as you recently got to see him at the '73 celebration. Uh, but we're honoring Vita because we know that Vita, you know, he'd he'd want us to celebrate his life because what a life it was. He would. And talk about as a teammate what it was like to play with him, and and and, and as you being a little bit older than Vita to watch him grow as a young ball player. Uh, well, I was there when he came, and he was, uh, what, 18, 19 years yeah. old. And uh, uh, he was from the South, and uh, he said, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. And he um, he was a young boy that uh, had all the manners and uh, and uh, grew up to be a, a person that everybody just loved. Yeah, playing behind him, what was it like? You know, you talk about a left-hander. There's, by, by the time Vida got into the league, there's only so many left-handers that could throw high 90s up to 100 miles an hour. I mean, obviously, Sandy Koufax is somebody you think about. Just what was it like playing behind a guy who was left-handed and was just so electric on the mound? Well, well, first of all, we had no uh, idea how fast he um, was throwing. Back then, we uh, they, they didn't have anything that uh, calculated the uh, how fast the – the uh, pitch, pitches were, you know, when he went over to San Francisco, I suppose um, later on, I don't know if that was the time that, uh, that uh, they uh, gauged those, um, how fast it was or not. But uh, <laughs> he was a pleasure to play behind. Absolutely pleasure. He uh, had one of the most fantastic years in 71 that I have never seen before. And I was I I was with Catfish Hunter quite a few years also, by the way, and he had two pitches, and uh, it was a fastball and a changeup that year, and uh, nobody could hit either one of them. Um, he got the ball, and he threw it right away. He didn't mess around at all. He just got the ball, and you know what? It's a pleasure to see the uh, pitchers nowadays do that. Uh, it's um, uh, I, I started watching baseball again just because of that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, trust us, it's, it's been a lot better for all of us. And I just think about, like, your entire staff. Like, 
Uh, when you talk about Ken Holtzman, Ken Holtzman wanted to be out there in an hour and a half. I mean, he was not waiting around. Catfish Hunter was not waiting around. I mean, you guys had dinner reservations. You guys are ready to get in, get out, win, and move. I mean, I, I th- that era of baseball was great. Everybody was working fast. Yeah, most everybody was, and we had, of course, we had pitchers that threw strikes all the time, and and uh, Holtzman, that's all Holtzman did was throw strikes. A few of them hit him, but uh, I, he didn't know what a ball was. <laughs> but by the blue, it was it was amazing, amazing, amazing year. We just, I just couldn't wait for him to get his uh, get his turn come around and uh, and watch him uh, throw those fastballs. Uh, uh, he must have been pretty sneaky because uh, I don't know why <laughs> he could throw one right down the middle and they couldn't hit it at times. So uh, it was sure a pleasure to uh, be behind him. And when you guys would go on the road, people would pack the house because they wanted to see him pitch when you guys were playing in opposing stadiums. Well, uh, for the last uh, five or six years, we were the biggest draw, biggest team that drew on the road. Uh, and uh, that wasn't uh, – uh, <laughs> that wasn't uh, any indication about what we drew at home, but uh, we had some loyal fans. <laughs> now, when you're playing behind Vida, how much did you have to start shifting over into the hole closer to first base? Because you knew how hard he was throwing, and, you know, guys are not going to be, especially for right-handed hitters, they're not going to be pulling the ball. They're going to be late on it. That's, that's true. Of course, it depends upon the count. Uh, if the guy has two strikes on him, of course, it, he's not going to pull the ball uh, like he's going to be doing the, the first time, first uh, one or two strikes. But he, <laughs> we knew we knew how uh, the hitters. We had a, a meeting before every game, and and we knew what the hitters were doing. What was great about Vida was uh, he, the catcher. I, uh, the catchers would uh, put a target up there, and he'd hit it. You know, and as long as uh, I knew what the target was going to be before he pitched, I, I was going to be over there in that place that I needed to be. That's all. You know, you, you think about Vida becoming a star. I mean, he was a star before Reggie. Obviously, Reggie would be a star, too. But when, when you're sitting there and you're watching this kid who's a humble kid from the South, all of a sudden, he's on Time Magazine. He's on New Week, Newsweek. Of course, Sports Illustrated and all the sports stuff. But now he's on mainstream magazines, Time, Newsweek. You saw him grow. He didn't change as a person. Just talk about how Vita Blue became a national sports star. He, he never did change. Uh, he never, never did change. He was a, a humble uh, a, a ball player all the time that I knew him. And all the, I don't know, how many years did he uh, play in Oakland? Uh, Six, seven, no, six, six years in Oakland. Of course, he was. I think he was in Kansas. Yeah, he was in Kansas City too. Yeah, so. he. But he played the majority. I think he's. God, I, he was the longest of all of you guys in Oakland. So I think it was almost nine. Let me check real oh, quick. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Corey, when I when I got out of there, I didn't. Uh, I didn't uh, keep track of anything. <laughs> 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 well, a lot of people, if they don't know, you you actually, let's see, yeah, he was nine years in Oakland. You showed up. I mean, you were Kansas City. You you 
you were a part of the early days of Kansas City. I want to say you were around 64-ish, right around in there. So you saw Rick Monday get drafted. You saw all these guys coming. And here comes Reggie Jackson. And then to move to Oakland, you saw it all happen. I was there when everything happened. I started in 63, actually. And um, um, I saw everybody come up and uh, um, – uh, Reggie, uh, uh, Campy, uh, Moon. I, I saw everybody. Everybody came up. We all played. Uh, most of us played in Kansas City. Yeah. Before we came to Oakland, yeah, we knew we were. Uh, first couple of years, I was in Oakland. We lost a hundred games every year, and then uh, later, or in Kansas City, and when then later, uh, we started winning, and uh, we knew we were we were getting good. We really did. And when we went to Oakland, we. Uh, we knew there was going to be something special if we all stayed together. What year was your first year with the Kansas City Athletics, just in the organization? Oh, I played uh, three and a half years in the minor leagues. My first year, actually, I went to winter ball in 1959, uh, 18 years old out of high school. The reason why I bring yeah. that up, I wonder if you ever had any interaction. My grandfather was Bob Elliott, who – was the MVP in 47, but he managed the athletic, the, the Kansas City Athletics in 1960. Right. Uh, I, that was uh, three years earlier, and I was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, he wasn't happy with Charlie Finley, and he got out of there really, really fast, and all the stories are, are, are pretty funny. Um, yesterday, <laughs> yesterday was the anniversary of Catfish Hunter's perfect game. What do you remember about that night against Minnesota? Uh, <laughs> it was something special. That's all I know. Uh, uh, normally, uh, <laughs> Harmon Killebrew, uh, uh, really hits him well, but he didn't that day. <laughs> I know. Uh, all I know is, uh, I don't even know who the catcher was, uh, that caught the, was that Pagliaroni or something like that? Who? I don't, I don't we I, can I look don't it remember. up. I don't know. 1968. I don't remember either. That's too long for me. That's that's over fifty years ago. So well, and, and, well, the thing that the thing that amazes me is that you guys won four nothing, and Catfish drove in three of the four runs as a hitter. Uh, oh yeah, he hit uh, he hit uh, fifty points higher than I did all the time. Yeah, <laughs> 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 he. Uh, I think uh, I think uh, a couple games that he hit uh, eight and I hit nine. So. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure about that. By the way, you were. He dead. should have. He should have been hitting eight. <laughs> you were. You were right on the catcher. On that night. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You were right on that. By the way, uh, Ray Fossey, who is obviously a dear friend of all of us, he would That's always sure. tell a story about you, that when he showed up now. Ray would always joke in Cleveland that opening day it was a sellout, and then after that they'd be in last place, and they knew they were going to be in last place. And he'd always joke about his time in Cleveland. But he said when he came over to Oakland, he was shocked, and it was you who told him that said, don't worry about it, Ray, we're going to win the World Series. And he was like, I just couldn't believe how confident these guys were. And he was right. Because you guys would go on and also win in 73 and 74. Ray Fossey would always tell that story about your conversation with him at the start of spring training in 1973. Yeah, I, that's probably one of the, <laughs> the reasons I came back. I Actually, I tried to retire three or four years before then, and then uh, uh, Mr. Finley would uh, talk me into coming back again. So uh, 
but um, we knew uh, well when you when you have players like the pitching staff we had and the players we had. Boy, I mean, you, you have to be optimistic about uh, um, the whole thing. <laughs> well, we talk about it all the time. You know, when you look at the timeline of baseball, you can't tell the history of baseball and not talk about the Oakland Athletics from the 70s. I mean, now you sit back and, you, you know, hopefully we're going to have another reunion here for the 74 team. Uh, when you look back at, at the team, your teammates, just talk about just how special it was to see Vida one last time at the 73 reunion and for you guys all to be together at the 73 reunion and to celebrate the greatness that you guys were. Uh, I, I got to sit right next to uh, uh, Vida at our little party um, uh, before we left, and I am so glad I sat there for five, ten minutes just talking to him and uh, – uh, I, first thing I asked him if, if he was in any pain and he said, he said, no, he wasn't in any pain, but, um, I, I, I had a sneaking feeling he may not be there for their next anniversary, uh, next anniversary, but I didn't know it was going to be this quick. Well, we always appreciate your time. Be well, and we'll talk hopefully soon and for sure next year when we honor the 1974 team. Well, I'm hoping I'm around and thank you very much. And, uh, I um, I miss uh, Vida very, very much. Thank you. Dick Green, legendary second baseman for the Oakland Athletics. And, yeah, I mean, that was that was something that we – I know I said on this show, I said it on A's Total Access, I said it on the Clubhouse show, those are the pre- and the post-game show, where we said, hey, everybody come out and celebrate 1973 – you know, this run of 72, 73, 74, where the Athletics won three straight World Series titles, you know, come out and see because, you know, we don't know how long we're going to have these players. As Ray Fossey has recently passed, our beloved Ray, now Vita Blue. I mean, we have to cherish the moments, cherish these guys because they're truly one of the greatest groups of players ever amassed, ever. They won three straight. They were in the playoffs, 71 to 75. They won three straight World Series. You've got, you've got Hall of Famers. You've got guys that are A's Hall of Famers. And they would have won more if the owner didn't break them up. It's hard to believe. Like, you go back and go, how would you break up this group of men who just continue to win and look at their greatness? You got three baseball Hall of Famers. You got Catfish Hunter. You got Reggie Jackson. You got Raleigh Fingers. I mean, the, the, the amount of talent on this team, it also, as crazy as Charlie Finley was, it also shows you how great he was at drafting, how he was at acquiring players. And, you know, let's bring on the pitching ninja. Rob Friedman joins us here on A's Cast Live. Think about this. Now, you, you know about the A's in the 70s, right? And how crazy Charlie Finley was, but they won, they won. Charlie Finley did this all from his office in Chicago. He ran the team that won three straight World Series titles. He was an insurance man, made a ton of money, but he did it all from Chicago. There was no internet. There was no, I mean, he was doing it from a, a, a rotary phone, building this World Series dynasty from Chicago that played in Oakland. Like, you can't make this stuff up. No one would even believe it today that that happened. 
<laughs> that is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, like crazy. There was no social media. There was no. no. He wasn't firing off emails. He couldn't even watch the games. He was. He'd have to listen to the game, the play-by-play by phone. <laughs> That's incredible. And you brought back bad memories with rotary phones, man. Why are you doing that? Well, because you and I might be the only people, like all the people are going to watch <laughs> this, you and I might be the only ones old enough to remember that. You, remember how big our life was when we had a phone that didn't have a cord? Oh, my. Yeah, absolutely. That was huge. Changed your life. And typewriters that didn't have those keys that stuck and stuff like nobody even knows what a typewriter is. How, how about this thing that works the television? I don't have to get up and change the channel. It just changes it for me. It's been fantastic. We can be totally lazy and that's what the world should be. And then this box showed up. We used to have to put a tape in it. Now we don't have to put a tape in it, and it records whatever shows we like. Dude, life has definitely gotten a lot better from those (laughs) days, I think. I do not wish for those old days. If I could change anything, though, I I would like to get rid of the cell phone and go back to pagers. Because pagers, pagers, you knew somebody wanted to talk to you, but you didn't have to get back to them right away. That's a good point, although I don't know what I would do, like, with all the texting and I don't know. Like, I'm so connected all the time, and I kind of like it, but maybe it isn't for everybody. All right. Will you read all the different people, the Pitching Ninjas connected? What, what, what do you – I mean, it's amazing how big you have blown up. What? What? Can you read – I, I let, let's read the resume, as they like oh, no. to say. <laughs> it is amazing. Like, when we first started inter- interviewing you, you were just a guy on Twitter. Go ahead. Uh, Peacock pitching analyst, MLB analyst, uh, that DraftKings sportsbook pitching guru, MLB on Fox analyst. I mean, how many people are you working for? Dude, I, I, I never turn anything down. Come on, right? Like You're collecting checks. I like it. That's the way to get through life. Is <laughs> in- income coming from a lot of different places is a good way to go through life. Now, did I hear you say DraftKings? It's FanDuel. We can't do the DraftKings thing. Oh, now you're not even reading it right, Cody? That's my fault. I read it backwards. I saw the FD, and I was like, oh, that's you're gonna... yeah, that's FanDuel Sportsbook. By the way, thank are, you. are you one of these guys that has, like, a handle that they can get a deal when they sign up? <laughs> you know, I don't know that I do. I do do picks for them, and I'm terrible, apparently. Um, yeah, it just hasn't been my year so far. But I'm looking to make a run today. Well, that's the thing. It's like we all think we can make money off of it. And then, as my late father would say, they didn't build those casinos in the middle of the desert where there's no water because they lose. (laughs) It's totally true. Like, I go in. You know how much baseball I watch. and, And I thought, you know, hey, I got an advantage. Not so much. Yeah. Gambling humbles everybody really, really fast. Yeah, exactly. When you realize the professionals, because all the years doing talk radio, I got all kinds of handicappers in Vegas and guys who won awards and everything. And they'll tell you, I mean, if you're winning just 52% of the time, I mean, that's barely over 50-50 you're doing well. So it's crazy. Uh, thing that I want to bring up most with you today, what scares me of the way that I was brought up pitching and where we are now. And I've actually been reaching out to some orthopedic surgeons, guys who perform Tommy John surgeries, because I'm tired of hearing about this pitch 100. Like somehow baseball people, not medical people, baseball people 
they saw this number 100, and they made that the can't go up to it, can't go over it, whatever. And from a science standpoint, from medical doctors, there's no proof of anything of 100. But the thing that scares me is that we're pitching, and it's a lot like golf too. We're pitching to the data, and we have guys that are going out there, and they're trying to be max out on everything. Every single pitch, whether it's your fastball, your breaking ball, you're taking your body to the limit every single time. And to me, and I want your opinion on it, the fact that we're seeing so many injuries, and we're not ta- we're just not talking Tommy John, we're now talking scapulas, we're seeing all these different injuries. To me, the human body, it just can't take it. And we're getting paid for it, but our bodies can't take it. Well, when you think about it, I mean, in most sports, you're never going to – nobody is that good that they can get by without being – going 100%, and you're dealing with very competitive athletes. So, you know, you think of a race car. You're not going to win if you're backing off and you're not driving real fast. Um, you're not going to win at almost any sport unless you're going 100%. Unfortunately, pitching, it is right now about redlining – for most folks, for a lot of folks, not everybody, but about redlining them – no doubt to, to push it real hard. And I think obviously cutting down the rest with the pitch clock and stuff like that could have something to do with it. Um, who knows, but it definitely, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, there's definitely some kind of tension there. Well, cause we, we were taught years ago that you didn't lay it all out in the first couple innings. You went through a lineup the first time throwing strikes, but I'm not giving you my a stuff. I'm trying to get through, but now front offices have said no i want your a stuff for every single pitch i'll have you go less pick up the rest with the bullpen as we've seen starters go down in innings pitched relievers pick up more innings pitched they want you to be at max everything every single time you go out versus the olden days it was hey we want you to get into the seventh eighth ninth which then you're not going balls to the wall in the very first couple innings so the fact that it's just has changed, and I'm just wondering, even before the pitch, we've been seeing record Tommy Johns at all levels well before the pitch timer. I mean, it's crazy. The kids, I was just talking about it from when I played college baseball. Nobody had Tommy John surgery. It's amazing the amount of velocity. And I'll say this, too. I don't know if it's just velocity on fastball. It's how fast we want to throw everything. We want our breaking balls now to be because to get more spin and to get, you know, it's like – it just to me, it seems like the human body or certain guys' bodies can't take it. Oh, I think there's no doubt that that's true that certain guys' bodies can't take it. There's obviously reasons behind it because throwing harder reduces batting average, reduces slugging percentage. It it actually can be successful. And it used to be relievers were more failed starters. You had like a yeah. bunch of guys that were, you know, you shove them in the bullpen. Now you got guys that, you know, they train to be also balls to the wall out of the bullpen and throw flames. So if you can hand it to, to those guys, you're shortening the game. A little different strategy. Um, but, yeah, no doubt. The other reason why t- you see more Tommy Johns, though, too, is back in the day, it was a randomer surgery. And he, first, it didn't exist. So you go yeah. back in 1960s, there was no Tommy John. Now, now we're then, getting old when we're talking about old, yeah. old the real Tommy John. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> And, and now you're dealing with it where it is fairly routine. We know how to recover from it most of the time. 
and we can get somebody back most of the time. Uh, so it has the surgery itself has gotten better. So you're able to make a decision that maybe some maybe back in the day you wouldn't have had Tommy John. Now you're saying, okay, well, we can repair this and get the guy to 100% rather than have him at 90% for some period of time and then risk it. So there are there are other factors to it, but no doubt um, redlining the body will have issues. This does. Sweeper. Everybody's talking about the sweeper. In my day, we called it a slurve. It was in between. If you didn't have a tight slider and you didn't have a 12-6 curveball, you had the Frisbee going this way. You called it. Pitching coaches hate it, but it was called. we called it a slurve. They're now calling it a sweeper. Now we got the gyro slider. Uh, you're looking at all the data. What truly is the difference between a, for, let's say, right-hander, because lefties are all screwed up because they're coming Yeah, forget about lefties. Uh, you got an over-the-top 12-6 curveball. You got the tight slider. You got a cutter. You got the switch. Like, what is the difference in the gyro slider? I don't even know. What the hell is gyro? <laughs> gyro is more like a, so think of a bullet. And a traditional slider where you see a dot, that's what you're looking at. If you think of how a bullet goes, it's not going to break one way or another. It's going to go mostly down, right? You're going to get the vertical drop to it, but not as much as a 12-6 curveball, which is actually using the seams more to create the drop. So a, a, a gyro slider is more of your traditional slider that will go straight down and not sweep. But it's the still sweeper, spinning like a slider? It is spinning like a slider, But it goes yeah, down so, and not this way. That's right. It so has no this, horizontal break. It's just vertical. Right. So the sweeper is a subset of sliders, just like a two seamers, a, you know, two seamers and sinkers can be different. Two seamers, a subset of fastballs, um, knuckle curves, a subset of curveballs. We now have a subset of sliders because it's not, it, it, there's a reason for it in that there's about three times as many sliders breaking over 12 inches horizontally than there used to be like even five years ago. We're teaching how to change the spin axis to use the seams to create what we're calling seam shifted wake. It's, it's this new force on a baseball that we discovered. It's always been there. People have always thrown a sweeper. There's some subset of people that have always thrown it. You go back and you look at Dave Steed, absolutely threw a sweeper. Nasty. That thing was. Uh, absolutely. San Jose and zone, that, by the way, Dave Steed was from San Jose, California, where we are right now. There you go. So how about that for bringing that up? Mm -hmm. Get extra credit. Uh, but so we just learned more about why the ball moves the way it does. And now coaches are teaching it. They're you're able to replicate it because we have slow-mo cameras. We can tell spin axis. We can do all this stuff. So we can create more of these sliders that actually sweep versus go more vertically. And when you think about it, if somebody's, if you're doing more of a swing, you know, whatever we call it, the launch angle swing, where you're swinging slightly up. If you're doing that, you're probably more likely to run into a, a pitch that's breaking down then that's breaking sideways. If you're breaking sideways or more horizontally, you're likely to either pop it up or miss it or run out of bat. So they're pitcher pitching coach are teaching it for a reason. And it's just a way of, it's basically a subset, just like squares are a subset of rectangles. Sweepers are a subset of sliders and have their own name. People just need to realize that we're, what we're doing as pitchers is we're messing with the human brain and, and hitters eyes right when when things when things are moving like hitters people need to understand that when, when you're up at the plate right now you're you're the hitters eyes have to see it the brain has to say i can swing or not and then the brain has to tell your body swing dummy 
We're basically fooling hitters with all of this movement and the way the human eyes see objects. It's hard to totally, but but the the eyes see in planes, right? And so when you're throwing it through all these planes, human eyes have a hard time. Like, what the hell is that? And if you got this fast sweeping thing, it's tough for the eyes to kind of pick it up, right? Is that a good way to explain it? Oh, a hundred percent. And and it's one of my favorite things about pitching. I just actually got done talking with Sonny Gray, who talked about pitch tunneling. That's his favorite thing. Yeah. And you, it's one of those reasons why you have fans screaming at the TV, like, why did you swing at that? And it's exactly what you're talking about. You're fooling hitters into believing all these pitches are kind of the same because you're throwing them in the same spot and you're just letting the spin or the, or the seam at this, uh, the seam orientation cause the ball to move differently and you're fooling hitters. Yes, absolutely. And now you're using science to do it, yeah. which is scary. Like we have such an advantage over hitters. It's almost unfair. So what do we do for hitters? Even though I, 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 I'm with you. I can't, I can't forget. I don't world's smallest violin. Well, I mean, it drives me enough that they've got all this armor on. They get to use pine tar. We don't get to use pine tar. That drives me nuts. They've got stuff on their shin. They got stuff on their ankles. They've got batting gloves. They got pine tar. They got stuff on the L, but we give them everything. But at some point we are in the entertainment business. And everybody hitting 210 doesn't work for the entertainment business. So is there anything that, that you've seen from a hitting standpoint where you go, you know, this might help them out a little bit? Uh, or is it just we're at a point to where this is what our game is until we do something dramatic like move the mound back, which I don't like. But I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, great point. And for one, strikeouts are awesome for me. Like it means more tweets and more content like let's not put that down i'm talking to the wrong guy <laughs> but i will tell you we do have things that are working um you know you have virtual reality stuff you have now pitching machines that can replicate the spin on almost every type of baseball like every type of pitch so hitters can basically face the pitcher they're facing today in the batting cage so we are able to do a lot of this stuff and it is helping hitters pitching you think about it, it's like golf. You're in 100% control of what of, of your swing in golf. The ball doesn't move. In baseball, you have the ball. The pitcher has the ball. Nothing happens till he throws it, and you should be able to throw it in the spot you want to, the way you want to have it, make it move the way you want to. Hitter's reacting. A hitter's on defense to me, a counterpuncher. So it is tougher for a hitter to you know, get all this science behind it. Golf has broken down the swing for a long time. Pitching mechanics broken down for a long time, tougher in hitting, but I think they're catching up. I mean, we do those machines and virtual reality stuff. Good idea. And uh, yeah, I think, I think it'll level a playing field a little bit. I'm so glad you bring up golf because I'm a big golfer, right? So I know That's why lot, I did it. I know a lot about golf and then I try to explain to our audience and I think they may get tired of it, but there is a lot of similarities that, that baseball has now adopted from golf because we've been testing off track man in golf since the late 80s baseball is just slow to adapt because let's face it golf was selling golf clubs and balls so they needed data to sell you hey this is why you need to spend 1200 bucks on irons this is why you need to spend you know you need to spend this for pro v golf balls we give you data and that may so now baseball basically is doing a lot of the same thing when we talk track man hawkeye you know, we talk about the high-speed cameras, Rap Soto. Golf's been using technology to sell equipment for a long time. So there's a lot of similarities. I, I, I like how you bring that up. And when, when I think about pitchers now, 
as they prepare, do you like, like, I think it was a big mistake when we had Fuji, Shintaro Fujinami, only pitching on Saturdays. It's like, well, what does he do the other six days? <laughs> you got to have feel. Is this, I mean, as much as I just want to throw this thing as hard as I can, I got to feel it. I got to throw strikes. I got to feel comfortable. What do you think about this? We're trying to have guys go less and I just playing less. How do you get better playing less? Uh, uh, you're hundred percent right in that. Number one, I think field does suffer. You need to practice. You need to throw and see how hitters are reacting, how your how the ball's reacting. He came over. There's a different baseball too in in Japan versus the, versus the U.S. So it's it's way different. The other thing is building yourself up. Like with anything, you have to build. Your, you can't go out and run a marathon tomorrow. You just can't if you're not no. training for it. No. Right. <laughs> you, you go out and try to deadlift 500 pounds when you haven't been yeah. building up to it. You're not going to be able to do it. It's the same thing with pitching. You have to slowly build yourself up to it. And if you overdo rest, it it creates atrophy. So you're going to, I mean, that could also, it could also exacerbate injuries or, or, or just hurt performance. So yeah, there's this fine tension and we're trying to figure it out. I don't know that anybody's got the magic number and it all, it also depends on the person, right? Like yeah. there could be somebody who needs more rest, somebody who needs less rest. So it's really up to that individual hitter, pitcher, whatever. If I was a young pitcher and knowing how much you study it and I was coming up and I'm looking at the big league numbers and I see that big leaguers are, are throwing more, whatever the breaking ball we want to cut it, slider, gyro, cutter, what they're throwing more breaking balls than fastballs. And I'm a young pitcher. Would you advise me to go that route? Or would you say, wait till you get to that level, still throw more fastballs than breaking balls? So to me, fastball still key. The reason why we're throwing more breaking balls is because fastballs have gotten so fast that actually hitters have to gear up for, for a fastball that it makes the breaking balls more effective. It makes off speed more effective. So you have to have velocity or just ability to command something before you move on to something else. Now there is something to be said for, for being able to learn how to manipulate a baseball young. I've talked to too many guys that are now in the major leagues able to spin a ball one way or another. Like they can either pronate really well or they can supinate really well. And it's because they did that when they were younger and now it's harder to learn when they're older. There's some of that, but still fastball is king. Your mechanics are king and you're not gonna learn your mechanics until you learn how to throw a fastball and be smooth with it. Now, we're not talking about grunting every pitch. We're talking about being smooth with the fastball, commanding the zone. That's that's all absolutely important stuff. Pronate, supinate, we're talking same thing <laughs> they talk about in golf when you're hitting a golf ball. Uh Sonny Gray. Love Sonny Gray. He was he was a great kid when he was with the athletics, but clearly at the end, he was getting hit hard. And then he got shipped to New York and he got that just swallowed him up. And then he got back to Cincinnati and he got with his old pitching coach from Vanderbilt. And now all of a sudden, now in his 30s, he's resurrected himself. And he's having a great year. Why is Sonny Gray having the success that he's having? The I just when I look at the numbers, it reminds me of a young Sonny Gray in Oakland as an all-star out of Vanderbilt. Yeah, so what I find with him is he is so ridiculously creative with his pitch types and how he spins the ball. And I think when you're younger, sometimes coaches take that away from you. They're like, they know, you know, because they're you're younger. They're like, this isn't how we do it here. And I think now that he's older and has more freedom 
to be himself and to really work to his strengths, which is creating different pitches. Like he is amazing, his feel for the breaking ball and to create many versions of it on the fly. As a young pitcher, you don't have that confidence to do it. Now he does. And I think that freedom is a big deal for him. Freedom. That's interesting that you say that. Have we taken freedom away from pitchers? I mean, think of a guy like Gaylord Perry who would say, and Ray Fossey used to tell us he called everybody partner. Partner, I got this Vaseline, and I'm going to be putting it all. Can you imagine a pitching coach today? Partner, I got this Vaseline. Well, yeah, he's a Cy Young Award winner in multiple leagues. He's a Hall of Famer. Are you going to tell Gaylord not to use the Vaseline? No. No, that's his key, or at least pretend like he is and fool everybody and make them all worried. But I'm touching yeah, something. I mean, <laughs> do you like? I love the character of the game. That's part yeah. of the reason we all love it, right? Like, I don't think you should ever cookie cut people. You do need individuality. Um, and we're maybe getting, we're getting a little bit of that back. Like you're allowing people to be free and to move the way they naturally are. But we, before we were cookie cutter people. And I think a lot of pitchers fell victim to it and probably weren't as good as they could have been. And it was cause we wanted you where you were pitching to velocity. Like, yeah. This is what we want. We want you. Yeah, and, and like, like Sonny Gray, I mean, Stephen Vogt used to talk about during a game, Sonny Gray's movement would change as a catcher and Sonny didn't know it was just natural and however he was manipulating and he didn't even know like they would be working together going I don't know where it's going but we're getting people out let's do it I mean that's that that's pitching right you're deceiving the hitter rhythm our our pitching coach Scott Emerson says hitters hitting's timing pitching is disrupting the timing Sonny Gray was great at that and that's where I I think of, of of guys so I got to touch one of these balls, the new tacky ball they're trying out in double uh-huh. A. Um, yeah, it was tacky. I mean, I didn't I didn't throw with it, but I got to – it's definitely tacky. Where are we now on trying to find something that we don't have the the, the problems like we have with a Max Scherzer at Dodger Stadium where, uh, you know, I don't know, pine tar, I put alcohol, I washed it. Oh, it's now all over my glove. I have no idea. I swear on my kids. How do we get away from that? Do you believe in making the ball tacky? Do you think that will work? I, I think we need to do something because right now having the umpires do a field test, like this feels sticky to me, so I'm going to I'm gonna eject you, or this isn't quite as sticky as this, or yeah. this is a sticky. Like that's not a standard. Come on. We have the ability to – we know spin rates during games. We can look at that and see if somebody's spin rates are up, if they're if it looks fishy. Um, but we also could do away with this. Like right now, it's the Wild West. I mean, we've we're saying we're cracking down, but if only one umpiring crew is actually really cracking down, are they just you know showing off or are they just making it all about themselves or are they the only ones taking it seriously? Who knows? But it, we need more faith in the game and faith in the honesty of of this. So I think attack your ball is the way to go. I think the current ball maybe we're seeing a little bit odd results. Like it's giving pitchers even more of an advantage, which like we were just talking, like, yeah. is it fair? Like, is it fair to give pitchers double the advantage now? Maybe not. Well, what do you want? Do you want me to bring a <laughs> Dan Plesak, who was a terrific closer back in his day, and he's been an, an awesome analyst on MLB Network. He has That's the run, he has the running joke going back in his day. They used to say, "Don't go out to the mound alone," which meant you were always loaded with something. 
So do you want me to go out loaded with something, or do you want the ball to be tacky? Pick. One, one, something's going to happen. What do you want? I totally agree. Like, if we're going to have rules, it shouldn't be about who's willing to bend and break the rules. It should be an even playing field. So give me a baseball. Say we're not going to allow anything out there. And give me a baseball that's reasonably tacky enough. Um, they're able to do it in Japan's baseball's tacky. They're able to do it. So why can't we do it? I think we can. I, I do think the experiment is is a little. It's we gotta we gotta see what happens because if we come up and people are throwing sweepers now that are breaking two two and a half feet and no one's able to hit anything, it might be a little tough for for fans. Yeah, it might not be good for the product, but we'll see. And you know. In the end, it's about the entertainment. I got, I got to tell you this, and we'll end on this. So it was last year I'm at a San Jose State football game. I got my Spartan shirt on, and I had a pitching ninja hat on. And it was at the end of the game. I'm, we're walking out of the stadium, and this kid goes, pitching ninja. And I went, wow. At a San Jose State football game, someone recognized the hat I was wearing when, when you're just randomly being noticed throughout the country, that's when you know life's pretty good for the pitching ninja. Dude, it, it, it still never gets old at all. Like, I love that. And it just means that maybe we had an effect on something. Maybe people, yeah. like, if it helps people be fans of the game, I think it's awesome. And I, I do love that. Like, that's a that's fantastic. Like, tell them, tell them about your merch. Let's sell some merch. <laughs> Go to PitchingNinja.com. We got everything for you. And you got it in all the team colors? We do. Oh, and Ro you go to Rotowear as well. They sell the Pitching Ninja stuff, and we, we've got everything. You notice I have my little – I made my light, like, A's colors right back there. I can change the colors of that. I, I'm just I, – I love, like, you got, like, the the – the eyes of the ninja are red on your hat. That is awesome. Yeah, this is a new one we tried out. It's a, and I, I do, I think this is, uh, it's one of my favorites. It's like a snake almost. You know how they do those snakes <laughs> with the red eye? I mean, that is sweet. <laughs> Little evil look. Willie, you know what? You're helping make baseball cool, and that's what we need. We need to make baseball cool. We really do. And I don't think the sport does a good job of that. I think. They're starting to maybe a little giving people freedom, but the idea that that it's fun, right? The sport is all about having fun, competing, and pointing out why this, instead of looking at everything being a home run, sometimes pitchers deserve some love too, and that's what I'm all about. Like, show me all the nasty pitches. Don't, don't, don't get me started on, we are the only sport. I'll let you use this. We're the only sport where we've diminished the guy who handles the ball or the object. Yeah. Right. And totally I say agree. I say this to people and they just go, what? I go in football, the guys who handle the ball are the stars, the quarterback, the receivers, the running backs in basketball. It's the point guard and the score in hockey. It's the center and the score that are always having the puck. The stars have the object, always have the object in baseball. We've diminished the starter 
by saying wins don't matter, we don't pitch them as much, and now all of a sudden I, I keep score every game. I can show you my scorebook. It's just a assembly line of no-name reliever after no-name reliever. After We used to grow up with pitching matchups, and people were excited. We're talking about the great Vita Blue. People paid, and, and people would come out of nowhere to go to, whether it's Detroit or Minnesota or Kansas City or wherever, because this guy Vita Blue, people used to pay to come see the starters. Now you come to see the starter, he's out in the fourth or fifth inning. We have taken away the power of the guy who has the ball, and we don't even have star closers anymore. Yeah, the one thing, if you look around the league, you will see some, like, I think starting pitching is actually at almost its its heyday, its peak. They just aren't there long enough. You're right. Like, you know, I go there, I want to see Zach Gallon is a freaking stud. Does the whole world know who Zach Gallon is? Probably not. Is he one of the best pitchers in baseball? Yeah, Shane McClanahan last night, fantastic pitcher. Um, but I don't think they're household names, and maybe that is part of it. Either we're not hyping it enough, they're not staying a game long enough, whatever it is, um, you know, I th- things need to change. Well, I'll tell you what, you, you're a baseball fan, and you got an idea for a birthday gift, any type of present, and I say that first for Christmas because I have your, I also have your, your coffee mugs. You can give – the merch from the pitching ninja out and all baseball fans will love it. So not only do you love him on Twitter and then the 8,000 companies he works for now, you can (laughs) buy his merch. And I tell you all baseball fans will love it. You are the best, my friend. Don't be a stranger. Let's talk soon. And you know, I'm out here to sell stuff for you. (laughs) Dude, you rock. I love being on here. See you later. See you. Thank you. The pitching ninja right here. How sweet was that hat? Reminds me of the, the, um, that hat reminds me of Indiana Jones ride at Disneyland. The snakes everywhere with the red eyes. Yeah, I love that ride. Yeah, you and my kids love that ride. A lot of people like that. Yeah, you know, my, like my, only, my only issue is... Not a roller coaster. That's my problem. My, it's the, well, my only issue is... I want Space Mountain. I want Incredicoaster. Oh, I, want a, I want Fast. The only thing with Indiana Jones is half the time I go to Disneyland, it's closed because they're for repairs or it's shut down or... Don't even get me started on that. Don't even get me started on Cars Land. Oh, I love that ride. That's my favorite ride. Oh, really? Disney. That's the most That's... broken down ride ever. I waited like well, ever. When fast I had the lady. Thing. I had that. Which camera are we on? Get yeah. back. I had the lady tell me, um, "What the hell is it called? Cars? What's the ride called?" I thought it was. Uh, oh, Radiator Springs. Radiator Springs. So, but that's not what the ride's called. It's yeah, it still, is. is that what it's called? I thought that's what it was called. Radiator Springs. I want the official, what is the car ride at Disney California called? Radiator Springs is the is the neighborhood there. Everything's in Radiator Springs. What is the ride, actual ride? Radiator Springs Racers. Okay. She told me that it's the most broke. The lady, because we were saying the, the line had closed. We were at the very beginning, and the lady told me she was one of the supervisors for the mechanics, and they were all coming out. She says it's the the ride that breaks down the most at Disneyland is that ride. Interesting. It's never been broken down when I've been there. I only go once a year. It literally, it's all when you go there. It's it's always, al- it's always Indiana Jones for me, or or um, um, is it Space Mountain? Space Mountain doesn't. Space Mountain's always going. Uh, no, but uh, that's the least broken. I've never the Space Mountain is much. It's been going for how many? You tore old Space Mountain down. Still the best ride at Disneyland, Space Mountain. It's not even close. Don't you be upset because they tore old Space Mountain down. Don't be upset. Mm-hmm. Don't you Oops. be upset. 
Sorry. My rebuttal. Oldest ride, longest line. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Oldest ride, longest line, Space Mountain. We should probably take a You know, as my kids have gotten I know we need a break. We need, we need to get our sponsors. And there's Mason Miller news. I'm going to tell you this. As someone who's been going to Disneyland his entire life, my kids, as they got older, it became, it's time to suck it up, buttercup. Daddy has been riding all these weak rides for all these years with you, and we go through all of them. We do all the rides. Even to this day, we'll do all the rides in Fantasyland. I do think it's important. I'll do Mr. Toads. Oh, that's right. I love that. I'll ride. do Peter Pan. I'll do Cinderella. Not Cinderella. Uh, Snow White. What's in there? Snow White, Mr. Toads, Peter Pan. There's oh, that's, um, Dumbo. Yeah. Was- I'll do them all. I'll do them all. We do every ride. I'm big on that. My mom would do that when we were kids. Yeah, when I grew up in San Diego. Literally, from where I grew up, Disneyland was like an hour and ten minutes away. With me back in the day, so you don't remember. There used to be tickets. It wasn't. They had tickets. You've heard about the tickets that they had. E rides were the fast rides. There's you got a booklet of tickets. Um, all right. I don't think, ever, I don't so, think there was ever tickets since I've been going. It would be all the time. My mom would be like, "You just want to go to?" I mean, Disneyland was not expensive. It was like, "You want to go to Disneyland today?" Okay, and we just drive up and go to Disneyland. I told my kids, uh, first ride, we get there when the rope drops. We're going to Space Mountain. First ride out of the gate. No longer we go. We're going to Space Mountain. And my kids are like, really? I'm like, yeah, suck it up, Buttercup. This is how you do space. This is how you do Disneyland. It's the number one ride. You go right at first, then you go over to Manahorn. You got to get rid of the big ones early, because the 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 lines just even though you have all these passes now and all that kind of stuff. So my kids now have adjusted, and they know play it. Oldest ride, longest line. They know. They know. We're going to space. Rope drops. Disneyland's open. We're going to Space Mountain. <laughs> I haven't rode Space Mountain every time I've been. The last few times I've been there, it's been closed. So I haven't got a chance to ride were they, it. In a while. Were they working yeah, on it? Yeah, they're working on it, yeah. Well, that's different. You, we're, we're talking about Indiana Jones. You'll be like, people have been waiting and be like, oh, sorry, it's closed. Yeah, having to meet a couple times. Sorry. That's why you got to do single rider. I don't think they do. They do single rider on uh, Indiana Jones. Ooh, it's a good question. I haven't gone. I, since, we always, I haven't gone since my February kids now get me year. to buy all the passes. We got all these pat. We got all. Yeah, these you can do everything settings. on your phone now, huh? You can do everything on your phone. Now. I know it's unbelievable. All right, Mason Miller news next, right here on A's Cast Live. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Chris Towns, and there are two things that are a must for me, comfort and style. Whether I'm playing golf, going to dinner, I've got to have the right feel. That's why I've partnered with Link Soul, and you're going to love Link Soul. They have just released their new spring line, new fabrics for their polos, lightweight and perfect for technical performance. Link Soul also has new styles for their layers and hoodies with cool prints and seasonal colors. You know what they say in the big leagues, look good, play good. 
Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. All righty, Mason Miller. Do you have the breaking news? Oh, yeah. Let me get the sounder. I have to pull up the tweet again, too. All right, let's. Live from the CBS Sports Desk in New York, I'm Chris Townsend. Or is that ABC? Uh, ABC, I believe. Live from the ABC Sports Desk in New York, I'm Chris Townsend. So according to Martin Gallegos, who covers the athletics who? for MLB.com. Never heard of him. MRI, San Jose State Spartan, Martin Gallegos. Greatness, Martin Gallegos. By the way, MLB.com, he just has a uh, – Martin Gallegos has a little uh, one-on-one, a little Q&A. So you can sign up. Oh, I'm, You know what? This is more important. I'm going to promote – my friend Martin Gallegos, but you do this first. Okay, MRI MRI results from Mason Miller were clean structurally per A's manager Mark Kotze. Depending on soreness level, best case scenario is for Miller to start playing catch on Friday. No plan to place him on the injured list as of now. That was at 2.05 p.m. That's 5.05 Eastern because we have to base everything off of what happens with the Yankees in the East Coast. So four was, le- 40 minutes ago. It was in the future? Well, I mean, just saying. If it was at 5 o'clock, it's 2 o'clock here. It's three hours ahead. Yeah. They're three hours into the future. Not like, not like Australia where they're a day ahead of us. That, that blows my when, mind. When Lucas calls in. Yeah, when our guys call into the postgame show from Australia, they're a day ahead. So, clean structurally, best case scenario, Miller to start playing catch on Friday, no plan for the injured list as of now. I can't wait to see how we spin it, right? Well, you know, next time out, he's going to only throw this. So, you think if he throws 50 pitches versus 60 pitches versus 75 pitches versus that, that oh, he's going to be healthy if he didn't wait. Maybe he just throws 10 pitches. How many pitches is he going to throw? How do we keep him healthy? That will be the question. What's the game plan? What is What is the game plan and what kind of medical data are you using? I mean, really the only way you keep Mason Miller healthy, do you know the only way you keep him healthy? On my my medical opinion, I'll use my medical degree, my uh, because I went to medical school at San Jose State and got that medical degree known as radio, television, film. Yes, I was a filmmaker. Um, Well, if we're based off you, I'm not going to say don't pitch him. Uh, Just don't throw. Okay, yeah. It's scientific fact. If Mason Miller doesn't throw a baseball, there's he will not be injured. That's okay. That's fair. Like if you don't if you don't drive your car, you won't waste gas. If you play foot, if you don't play football, you're probably not going to get hurt. You won't get concussions and separated shoulders and blown out knees and back problems and torn ligaments and torn this and broken fingers and all the stuff that football players get when they play a game. You, you don't want to get hurt, you don't play. That simple. And you say, well, that's ridiculous. Well, that's how ridiculous it is that we act like if we p- 
pitch a guy only 60 pitches and not 75 pitches, that that's going to make him healthy for years to come. It's like you're either going to get hurt or you're not. I mean, I told you it's it's sour to the point where when I saw Mitch Keller of the Pirates have 96 pitches through eight shutout innings and they bring him up for the ninth, the first person I thought of was you, and I'm like, is his arm going to fall off? Or how, how are they? I mean, I thought Derek Shelton would be out. Ben Charrington was going to get, you know, he was going to have to, you know, speak yeah. to the media, come down like Brian Cashman did. Nope, he threw seven pitches in the ninth and, w- and went the whole game. Load management in the NBA. So it's back in my warrior days. That's still happening. Elliot Swartz, the great doctor, longtime doctor for the A's, the Warriors, who's no longer with us. Elliot Swartz was a good friend. And he was the guy that he specialized in bones. And so with all these NBA guys, when they were in somebody you may know, have you ever heard of Kevin Durant? Oh, the, the Phoenix Sun, Kevin Durant. Remember Kevin Durant was having those rods put in his feet and he had the issues with his, yeah. did you know about that? So they would always go to, Dr. Swartz was a specialist in this, and anybody that had bad feet, Yao Ming, anybody, they'd come to Dr. Swartz, and he would help them through the procedures and everything. And I'll never forget, I said, Doc, I even went to Doc when I, I, I thought I had a medical problem. Luckily, I didn't, but I thought I did. Um, Better safe than sorry. But anyway, I went to him. I said, if you're telling me. So the NBA playoffs are now, right? May and the NBA finals will be what, in June? April, May, June. Okay, April, May, June. I said, Doc, is there any medical evidence that says if I don't play five minutes, if I play five minutes less in January, that that will affect my body in May. And he laughed at me. And I said, Doc, that's what they're trying to sell us in the NBA. This load management, they're trying to say, if I play two, three, four, five minutes less in January, in February, that that's going to affect my body in May. And he says, that is laughable, and there's no scientific data to load management. Now, how you sleep and everything that you're doing as you come up to the playoffs, but December, January, February, what the Warriors are doing is not going to affect the human body. And NBA people, you'd, you'd question them on it. They didn't have the They'd be like, well, we're supposed to. It's We understand. Like, Kawhi Leonard taking the day off in January is not going to affect him in May. Like, if I take a day off now, that's not going to affect how my body feels in, in July. That's literally ridiculous. But we're selling you that in the NBA now. We're selling you that if I play two minutes less, five minutes less, or not even play in, like, January, that it affects the human body in May. And there is no scientific evidence. It's like a joke. It's a joke. And it's the same thing that we're doing with pitchers. It's a, and How about when we give a player a day off in baseball? So you give a player a day off, but he still shows up. He still works out. He still takes batting practice. He still probably lifts weights. He still takes ground balls. He still does all of that. He just doesn't play in the game, and that's a day off. That's not a day off. Day offs don't come to the ballpark. Yeah, it's stupid. Or just come it's and like the hang stuff out. in sports is just stupid. Like all of a sudden, Mason Miller. So, 
how, how do you keep him healthy? You think if he just the only way to keep Mason Miller healthy is and to make sure that you bubble wrap him, boy in the bubble, John Travolta. The only way to do it, look it up, kids. The only way to do it is by him just not pitching. That's the only way. So you think if he throws seventy pitches versus ninety pitches, that's gonna if he's gonna get hurt, Degrom is going to get hurt. It's a ticking time bomb. It always has been. He has been hurt before he got into ba- before he got into the pros. He got hurt in the pros, and he continues to get hurt in the pros. John Carlos Stanton has been nothing but injured the entire time he has played Major League Baseball. Whatever he does, he changes his diet, he changes his trainers, he changes whatever. He remains to be hurt. He's a position player who always gets hurt. The, the best example now in the NBA. The only way he doesn't get hurt is if he doesn't play. Yeah, and well, guess what? He's hurt right now. Uh, the best example in the NBA, because there was some load management with the Clippers and, and Kawhi, then we found out Kawhi actually had an, a knee issue this year. Uh, Zion Williamson is the, load, is the guy that never plays, but he's supposed to be the next generation. The guy's never on the court. Well, here's the greatest example last year. You know, they dealt with injuries, but they got him healthy, and they always said, boy, if you can have Scherzer and DeGrom – for the playoffs, that's all that matters. It's all that matters. Scherzer and DeGrom. How'd that work out? Wasn't the other one Bassett, too, all three of them? They all, all how, three of them. How'd that work out? Yeah, uh, not great for them. Because, hey, man, if you just have them against the Padres, you're at home at City Field. It's the Padres. What happened in that series? Uh, Padres won. Padres won that But wait a minute. They had DeGrom and Scherzer both healthy at the same time. How's that possible? Yeah, like coming even coming to this season, they were talking about how you know if if you know we're going to try to limit the starts for Scherzer and and, and Verlander. Well, no, they've been hurt already, okay. and then the Mets are seven games back already. Can I get into the, Can I get into something? Sure. This, I've been waiting to say. I've been. Is this? Oh, a, by the way, sign up for Martin Gallegos to promote our friend. Uh, it's called A's Beat. I did a long time ago. You'll get a weekly email, and this week he does a Q and A with Ryan Noda. Friend, good friend of the program already. I, it's like I discovered him. You were you were questioning how much I liked Ryan Noda in spring training, and you don't seem to be saying anything since. Brent Rooker, by the way, on MLB Network, MLB Central this morning, fantastic. I recommend everyone check it out. He was really he was good for it with us. He we found we might have found our next gem as an interview with Brent Rooker. Now I tape that show every morning and skim through it. I haven't yet, but I have MLB Network. Yeah, well. The, uh, I had it sent to me from a source in the building. Oh, did you? Yeah, the great Vittorio DeBartolo. I, I, t- I tape MLB Central and I tape MLB Now every day and make sure you go through them. But did, you can't watch. MLB Central comes on at like 7 a.m. Uh, yes. The only reason I ever I'm saw, not up at 7 a.m. The only reason I ever knew it existed before is when I was doing sports talk in the morning. But he, him and Dero do a whole thing breaking down his swing and talking about him. Him and one other guy were the only guys that won the Triple Crown at and the SEC, who am I? I know I texted you, but I'll see. I know the answer, but I'll guess wrong. <laughs> okay. Uh, SEC, great. I'll go with Will Clark. Uh, no. Um, We're on the same era, though. Uh, they, they went to the same school, right? I know. I already know the answer. Just I'm say trying, the answer. It's okay. I'm trying to think. of Bobby Figpin. <laughs> the answer is the great Rafael Palmero. Brent Rooker, Rafael Palmero. And this is the question Dero asked him. How many guys have won? He goes, yeah, just me and, and, uh, and Palmero. Well, because it wasn't D-Row, that Louisiana State University hack. That's the manager of Team USA, thank you. Cap, did he win? 
Explain the Phoenix. Yeah, no. Why has anyone called him a choker yet? He couldn't bring it home. <laughs> he will be a manager of Major League Baseball. I think. I might. hope not. He's too good on TV. <laughs> you think he's gonna be? He's gonna be like anybody else. He'll win some games, lose some games. Don't D row. Don't leave TV. It's too good of a gig. He is too good. I mean, Joe Girardi's back on TV, and he'll find a job again. Then he'll be back on TV. D row is too good on television to leave. Too good. You know what? Just be Captain America and always, every three years, manage the uh, WBC team. <laughs> just be just be Mike Sosha after Mike Sosha's done managing. Yeah, you, managing sucks. You really want to do this grind every single day. Folks, these players have issues. I don't know how much I want to talk about this, but they got everybody's complaining. Everybody's got problems. It's management. It's management. It's management. Just like your manager or if you're a manager – you got to deal with everybody's crap. You want to be a manager? You wanted to be a program director. You want to deal with all the on-air talent, all the producers, everybody, I got this problem, I got that problem. I, you really want to deal with all that? I still, I'm still, I'm still in favor of being the boss. You really want to be a boss? You want to fire people? You want to hire people? You want to fire people? You really want to do that? Yeah. I've fired interns before. I know it's different, but I've actually had some experience hiring. You've never, you've never hired. Who, you've, who, who have you hired? I've never hired anyone at the A's. Who have you hired? I hired, I was in charge of hiring the interns at 95.7. Interns? We're not interns. I'm not talking about kids in college. I'm talking about grown adults. Even though interns are adults. Grown adults and who have pa- families. You're going to fire a guy or a gal who's got three kids at home and rely on that job? You think you can do that? Yeah, I can. Oh, you heartless. <laughs> Management's terrible. That's the point. Coming from the business owner. Uh, yes. I have fired people. I've actually had the police show up to fire people. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've been through You're it. not talking about Sting. You're talking about the actual police. Correct. <laughs> no message in a bottle. Uh, Thank you. Yes, I've actually had San Diego P. had to fly down. San Diego PD walked in, grab your blank, and you get the. Uh, all well, right. Let's hear this. You've been waiting around this all day. So, who am I? I have spent the most money in the history of baseball. My starters have the third fewest innings in the major leagues. Starters have a 5-3-4 ERA, 24th in baseball. Only the Oakland A's and Chicago White Sox have allowed more home runs by starting pitchers than me. My guy that I'm paying an extreme amount of money, an extreme, has a right scapula problem. His velocity is all the way down to 92 miles an hour, the lowest since 2017. I have lost 11 of my last 14 games. My last 14 games, I'm averaging 3.3 runs per game. I'm allowing 5.6 runs. I'm scoring 3.3, but I'm allowing 5.6. Zero extra base hits, three RBIs in uh, – scratch that. I, <laughs> I, I, I lost I, – once again, last 14 games, I'm scoring 3.3 runs per game. I'm allowing 5.6, and my starter's ERA during those last 14 games is 6.89. My run differential is minus 33. I have a star that's hitting a buck 56 with a 362 OPS. Zero extra base hits in the last 17 games. And my O oh, slugger, who's so great, 
when you guys in your metrics try and tell me that great players, it has nothing to do when their team loses. Nothing. Because they're great. They, it's a, it, they're a single player. They're not in control. It's not their fault when the team loses. Well, in the 18 losses that I have this year, because I'm 17 and 18, in the 18 losses, my number one hitter in my 18 losses is hitting 154. This guy hasn't weighed 154 since he was probably in fourth grade. When's the last time you've weighed 154? Probably ninth grade. 154 with a 579 OPS. Mr. Metrics, is 57 OPS any good? Uh, no, that's uh, that's no. With all of that said, who am I? Well, you gave it away at the. I have spent more money than anyone, but I. But I'll play into the bit because I have. I have this one too. Because uh, did you know that the Mets? The Mets. It's the answer. It's the Mets. They were seven and three on their West Coast road trip. They did. You know what they've been since then? Three well, and eleven. So it's all about money. That's right. It's all about money. Did you hear all that? How bad their starters are? Oh, the polar bear. Because. Guys like him want to tell you that that players, oh man, they great players. They're just always great. They have nothing to do with wins and losses. We try and figure out every single way to talk about how people are not truly involved. Well, really, with losses, we try and separate people with losses. The polar bears hitting a buck fifty four in their eight, eighteen losses. You don't think that plays to it? Oh, for sure. We did the same thing with Starling Marte. In the last 17 games, is hitting a buck 56 with a 362 OPS. He's oh, wow. terrible. That's not very good. Oh, why didn't he resign with the A's? He's terrible. Their starters are terrible. Their bullpen actually is the only thing that's halfway decent. This is the most expensive team in the history of baseball. Nobody has spent more money, and they're a game under 500. But they got problems. They've got. And Scherzer is talking about how he's just going to fight through it and he's just trying to stay healthy. Uh, right now the Mets are the second oldest team when it comes to player position players, behind only somehow only the Dodgers. Oh, the Dodgers have a little young players. I don't know I how that makes sense. the Dodgers sense. are going a little younger. Uh, yep. So according to this, the Dodgers' are average age for their batters is 30.6. God, bring back Justin Turner. What would that average uh, be? Well, Jesus. I mean, Hayward in that lineup. But, but oh. Miguel Rojas. But like guys like Vargas well, and Freeman's in his thirties, yeah, Mookie but, Betts is in his thirties. But but you got guys like Vargas and Will Smith; those are younger. But anyway, pitching wise, the Mets are the oldest team by not by a lot, but thirty one and a half is their average age. So thirty two, the Red Sox are right behind them. So yeah, they're old by far, and and they're not getting younger. And and Steve Cohen even said that they would like to develop their own pitching. That's their goal. Well, you can't do that when you're trading them away and signing forty year old guys of four year deals. What if Verlander got three or four? I can't remember what it was. Two years. The most expensive team in the history of baseball by a lot. Uh, their payroll. And this is what we're talking about? According to baseball reference, their payroll is estimated at $310.7 million. And who's right behind them? The Yankees. How are they doing? Uh, they're only game over 500. But, hey, or is it two now? Uh, I think it's three. Uh, Aaron Judge is back, it's though. It's two. Aaron Judge is back, though. Aaron Judge is the back. The savior is back because the Yankees are really bad without him. Well, actually, they're since the All-Star break last year, every player not named Aaron Judge has been horrible. As you saw, Aaron Hicks was getting booed after a home run. Yeah, it, it's amazing. It's amazing. Like, 
we just had an off season of all that money, and we like it's it, it's 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 hilarious when you see everybody applaud all the money, especially like the players. Like, yeah, see, spending, and then you start looking at it, you going, what are you paying for? What what what? The three highest payrolls in baseball this year, the teams are not that good. Yeah, the other third. It's the Phillies. Yeah, you're fighting Phils. Yeah, the fighting Phil. And by the way, the Phillies, the Phillies deal from NBC. Phillies get what was it, two hundred fifty million a year for their television? Something like that. Yeah, and they're three games under. Two hundred fifty million. Oh, they're only eight games out of the division though. Eight. There's sixteen. The three highest payrolls, if you add them all up, are under five hundred together combined. Phillies, Yankees, and Mets. If you add up all three of their records together, they're under five hundred. And those are the three most expensive. And then the fourth is the Padres, and they're 18 and 17. <laughs> and then who's saw fifth? Oh, the Angels. And I know we don't like talking payroll. I mean, because it's boring, and then everybody's oh. going to rip the A's, and you get it. But it's like. But don't rip the Rays. Don't. They have the best record in baseball. I get so tired. That's where, that's where I so wish we had a salary cap. Because a salary cap, no one, no one in the NFL goes, oh. Well, you're spending more money because everybody's you got a salary cap, you got a floor, you got a ceiling, you got that. That's why I wish. And you know what? All the owners, you know, there's there's a lot of owners who would want this. The only people that don't want us, and I bet fans would. You know, it's like right now when people say about the A's how much we're spending. If you had a floor, we would be forced to spend X. Uh, fact. Right, and then no one would say you could. You could spend the bottom of the floor, but at least you're spending what the floor is. We have no floor. We barely, we have an, not an imaginary, we have like a soft ceiling that you can go over it, but you're going to get penalized for it. But we don't have a floor. But other sports, we don't talk about the salary cap. We're never sitting around when we're talking football, which, by the way, most popular sport. We never sit around and go, well, you know, give me two teams. Chiefs and Chiefs. Chiefs Chargers. You're never going, oh, the Chargers aren't spending what the Chiefs are. You never hear that conversation. Never. You're never like, well, the Giants aren't spending what the what the Eagles are or the Bears don't spend what the Vikings do. We don't hear any of that in football. Fans don't deal with that. That is such a bad trait for our sport. I think hockey's or hockey. I think baseball is the only sport where we hear about the salary cap. Correct. I mean, is anybody – I mean, you hear about the Warriors going over, but you're never like, well, the Rockets don't spend with the Bucks. You don't hear about that you, stuff. You don't hear There's about the- two things that have happened in baseball that you would like to – one, you would like to bring back, and one, you'd like to get rid of. All the talk about money, salary cap would get rid of that. The other one is physicality. We have somehow – gotten physicality out of our game. And what do American sports fans love? Violence. Violence. I'm not saying we need to get completely violent, but um, maybe that's we're, – we're so into let the kids play and everybody's rocking chains and bat flipping and dancing and doing all that kind of stuff. Fans used to love takeouts at second base. Fans used to love guys getting run over at home plate. Fans used to love guys getting hit and guys charging and going after it. I mean, it's one of the things that made hockey popular were the fights. We like physicality. Why do you think we're at UFC, what, 280 or whatever it is? I mean, 
We've taken all that out of baseball. We've taken the hardcore, the, the, the physicality of the game out of the game to protect the players. And both, by the way, they're hurt more than ever. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. You know what I want to do, and we can do this. I haven't done it yet, and maybe you follow at home. I want to start uh, going over innings um, from not that long ago. Like We're not going to the 70s. Like Let's look at the 90s into the 2000s and just start looking. And also look at injuries because it's just – it's crazy how many guys are hurt, especially pitchers. I mean, it's 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 unreal. Yeah, like, I mean, how, how are we as human beings? We're more educated. We have better philosophies on – isn't it like clockwork? <laughs> isn't it like clockwork? My wife. My wife always my – wife, my wife always calls me – when I'm on the air, like literally I'll be doing TV. I'll be saying, so if you see me doing NBC, uh, A's pre and post game live, Check I'll be them doing, out Thursday and Friday. I'll be doing live television. All of a sudden bzz, 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 and it's my wife. I always call when I'm on the air. What the hell was I talking about? Uh, innings from oh, years before. As human beings, we're more educated. We know about the human body more than ever before. We, we have, we have, we are so smarter medically than we've ever been before is that fact we have better technology to deal with our human troubles we try and fight cancer better we try and fight everything better we now have more information on alzheimer's dementia the human brain the body the heart uh cardiovascular disease diabetes we have more we're just better at helping people than ever before now we as humans hurt ourselves by the way we treat ourselves but the medical field from a technology standpoint is far better than it's ever been if that's the case how the hell can we not keep pitchers healthy it's a great question wish i i didn't go to school to be a doctor but my best friend did he didn't even have the answer that's crazy. It's great. We're not getting better with keeping guys healthier. We're getting worse. And that should be alarming. That should really – and these numbers, like you start going through. We get this packet every day, folks, of every team. Every team is in here. Every game is in here. And all you hear, like first line, Pirates and the Rockies. Nobody cares except Pittsburgh. Pirates are calling up Luis Ortiz to make the start for Vince Velasquez, who landed on the IL Friday for shoulder, right elbow inflammation. I mean, it's every, and then it goes down. Herman Marquez went on the IL. Tommy John surgery for the Rockies. It's just every single note of every single team is just there's always guys are hurt and pitchers being done for the year. Is this a legit question? Are we just going to run out of pitchers of just arms? Just think of some of the other guys that we've, that we've already – like Jeffrey Springs out for the year. He's having Tommy John. He was out to a great start for the race. We have no idea when Tyler Glass is going to be back for the race. The guy's never on the mound. I mean – Walker Bueller. Bueller's another one. Uh, I know we're forgetting another guy that, had, that got hurt at some point already. There's so many of them. It's hard. It, it would be – Oh, like, Carlos Rodon. Still hasn't played. I mean, it's like to keep track of all the injuries, there's only so many. If you want to say there's a there, there's a standard that you have to be able to pitch at the big league level, best hitters in the world, okay. There's a standard of guys that can play here. 
Are we running out of those guys? And they're talking about expansion. You want to go to 32 teams? Now you got more pitchers and more guys getting hurt. Like, I don't know how we, like, clearly, let's be honest. There's, we have a pitching staff that if you, if you said, all right, the best of the best, we have pitchers that wouldn't be here. That they are not great arms in the world of Major League Baseball. And yeah, I think you can go around to a lot of different teams, this turn and burn that there's a lot of different teams. I mean, we brought up Patton, Spencer Patton. He's 35 years old. I mean, he's a journeyman of journeymen. Nothing against him. I mean, congratulations still being the big leagues, but he's 35 years old. That's what we're bringing up for the bullpen? I mean, Tommy Malone's still pitching in the Mariners system. God love him, but, man, it's just like there is like an epidemic. It's like an epidemic in our game of keeping these guys just healthy enough to pitch, let alone, I mean, the numbers. I mean, we bring up the numbers because I, I check we this used every day. We used 64 players last year, right? Yeah. We're already at 40. What are the Angels at? The Angels, do you know when we talked about this last year? The Angels used like 68. They, they used 65. I was I was literally shocked because if you remember, we played the Angels. 32. It was the last game, last three games of the year. And I thought, oh, man, we've used 64 guys. This is the craziest thing ever. It's an Oakland record. It's a franchise record. Blah, 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 blah. Well, then we played the Angels, and they used a franchise record 65. I could not believe it. So here we go. Rays have used 36 guys already. As of today, you only have 10 teams in baseball. Scratch that. You only have nine teams in baseball who have an ERA under 350 with their bullpens. Only, only nine. 21 teams have an ERA of 350 or higher. Isn't the A's double that? Uh, I can take you all the way down to the bottom. Ours is like the oh, A's six. Is, the A's is at 6.70. I'm thinking of our ERA. total. I'm thinking of our overall team. Our uh, ERA. White Sox ERA in the bullpen 6.37. Giants 5.80. Royals 5.24. Phillies 5.20. I mean, this is awful. And the Phillies are supposed to this have This is the league. More than this is 21 of the teams have an ERA 3.50 or lower. Only 9. This is early in the season. Only 9 or 35 uh, 3.50 and up. What does that tell you? Yeah, and the Phillies are supposed to have a better bullpen this year. Kimbrel's been awful. I mean, all the guys they I mean, they just haven't been good. I mean, the Dodgers are on that list. The Dodgers have a good bullpen every year. There's at three point uh, at four point five six. I mean, it, this is there's not enough arms. There's not enough arms to get outs. And you've asked these bullpens now to pitch more than they've ever before, and look what happens. They're all bad. Like, what is the be- the best bullpen in the league? Actually, is the Yankees at two point five seven. Let me give you the the top five. And these are numbers you wish you'd have out of your bullpen. Yankees at 2.57, Seattle at 2.90, Tampa 3.04, Baltimore 3.20, Cleveland 3.22. Okay, that's good, right? That's good. And then you start getting to everybody else, and it's like, whoa, boy. So essentially, you've got gas cans sitting out in the bullpen. 
And the manager starts walking out there. And it's just like, pour the gas, and here they come. Light the match. You mean, you mean like this? Poof. You mean like that? This is what's coming in according to the numbers. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> Don't get mad at me because they tore old Space Mountain down. I'm just telling you, I'm looking at the bullpen numbers off MLB.com, and it tells you, you go to some of these games tonight, and here comes the Nationals bullpen. Here comes the Marlins bullpen, the Dodgers bullpen, the Phillies bullpen, the D-backs bullpen. Bonfires coming in, baby. These numbers are horrific. I mean, that's the best way it goes. You can't tell me that this is not the highest in baseball history. This is crazy how bad these bullpens are. Yeah, and we're only in May. So come imagine what's going to be like in April or April, August and September when, you know, we're using more guys. Like I said, we're at 40 players used. Like I said, Tampa, who has the best record in baseball, has used 36 already. Tampa's the, used 36? The Angels only used 32 after using 65 last year. And the Yankees, who have guys hurt all the time, miraculously only used 34 guys. I don't know. Is this number crazy? It just seems like this is an odd amount of human beings used in one season. We're at 40 already. 40. And we're at, what's that, May 9th? 40. We're not even in June. We've used 40 different guys. Don't, don't forget, there's guys. In, there's guys we're going to have to get rid of the 40-man roster and turn it into the 60-man roster. I mean, there, And there are guys in the minors that we're going to see. Like and that's not a joke. I mean, baseball might have to rethink this because it's like, hey, listen, you got to make it easier to be able to get guys to the big league level because these teams do not – these teams are not able to sustain Giants how many have, players they're bringing up and down. Giants have used 36, and they just called up their, one of their top prospects, Casey Schmidt. They're going to have 37 guys now already. In the Bay Area, we're, after tonight, we're going to have used 77 players between two teams. I mean, I shouldn't be laughing, but that just seems ridiculous. That's if Casey Schmidt gets in, but if he, I'm, I'm saying he will. You know what? You know what we should see. Let's let's do a really good year in the Bay Area. Would you say 1989 was a good year for Bay Area baseball? Uh, yes. You had the A's and the Giants were both in the World Series. Now, there's been years, like, throughout the early 2000s, they both were in the playoffs. But 1989, the A's and the Giants were both – and I'm not being a homer because the A's won. But both both teams, really good. Both teams were in the World Series. A's won 99 games that year. Giants won 92 games that year. Giants used 45 players. The Oakland A's, who won 99 games, used 41. We've reached 40. It's May 9th. So we're in the World Series in 89. We we used 41. We've already used 40. Giants are not far away from what they already used in 89. That's crazy. I'm, I'll go back 11 years ago to 2012, the year where there were so many different guys used. 50. We're at 40, and it's – And we used – 2012 just seemed like they, they, they literally remade the entire roster. It's still only 50. We're at 40, and we're at May 9th. We've used 40 guys. And like I said, there's still guys in the minors. We will see Soderstrom. We will see Geloff, you know, barring an injury. 
these are guys. You're going to see more guys that are going to be here. So essentially, Seth Brown hasn't even played yet. Essentially, by yeah, he's played in the season. Oh yeah, never mind. Sorry, I kept thinking he was out from. Okay, yeah. So essentially, by June first, both the Athletics and the Giants will have used more players by June first than they used the years they the year they went both went to the World Series against each other in 1989. That was I know 89 was a long time ago. But that just kind of shows you the insanity of where we are with players. That we are like, and those teams were good, and when you stay good, you're healthy. But still, it's like, they didn't use rosters like this back in the day. It's, it's I guess I've been saying too much that it's an assembly line of pitchers. I It's now become an assembly line of players. It's just, it's just random guys after random guys and, and it's I mean if we can look at we can look at us and say well it's we're rebuilding the Giants aren't rebuilding there's a lot of teams who aren't rebuilding and they're going through this too at what point does anybody just go whoa what the hell's going on people are using 60 something players in a season the days of using five starting pitchers or seven or whatever Detroit used that twelve was that eleven years ago. How many they used that year? It was I think in like two thousand thirteen or fourteen, Detroit used like seven starters. That was it. It was like Scherzer, Verlander, Price, Fister. Wasn't they Doug Fister one of them? That Fresno State hack, Doug Fister. Uh, I'm looking at the two thousand thirteen team. Let's just see if that's who it was. Uh game started. It was looks like wow. Only six. They used six starters. Yeah, it was Verlander, Scherzer, Fister, Anibal Sanchez, Rick Porcello, and Jose Alvarez started six games that year. Now you might say, well, that's an outlier. Maybe, but I think if we went back in time, that that wouldn't be as big of an outlier as you think. We have one minute left. Yeah, it's three twenty almost. What time's the game? Uh, pregame's at three twenty. What happened to Jessica? Oh, uh, Jessica. She went to do it over the phone, and I, I said I closed the phone program. Oh. Look at Jess. I got more to talk about. Well, he's on Ace Total Access, brought to you by Chevron. I, I but I can't do that. By the way, Blue Jays, check the baseball. Check the baseball. Yeah, like the physical baseball. Yeah. Do you know there's 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 rumors out there that there's different batches of different balls going to different teams? Yeah. Have you heard about that? Yes. Haven't we, we talked what about what, it? What do you, we haven't talked about different batches going to different teams. We've talked about oh, but for, I've game. No, I'm thinking of for games, like primetime games. But there 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 is ample evidence inside our game that different batches of baseball, like it's getting down to we know when teams get baseballs. How many times a month when they get them? Like we're getting like, it, it's it's amazing this hasn't broke. I do not want to break the story. Yeah, don't. But there's allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, different types of baseballs going to different types of teams. It's not good. That's interesting. And baseballs that were made at different times, and it's like it's crazy, and especially for a sport where the ball goes into the stands and people can get the ball and then all of a sudden then people can slice them open and look at it and go, wait a minute, this ball's different from, well, why were they dealing with this ball? And 
Oh my God! Why? Why were the Cardinals getting different baseballs towards the end when Albert Pujols was playing? Oh, oh, conspiracy theory. I don't have the music. Allegedly, allegedly, I have nothing to do with this. All right, what time am I on? Like less than four minutes from now. What? Yeah, three twenty-five. We're on three twenty-five. We gotta go. Uh, thank you, Dick Green. Thank you, Eno Saris, and thank you, Rob Friedman, the Pitching Ninja, for stopping by A's Cast Live. We are not on tomorrow because it's a 9.30 start in Yankee Stadium. Yeah. We're back Thursday. Thursday, yes. What time? 4 o'clock. We'll s- 4 o'clock? Yeah. We'll see you next Thursday at 4 o'clock. Up next, A's Total Access, brought to you by Chevron. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Chris Towns, and there are two things that are a must for me, comfort and style. Whether I'm playing golf, going to dinner, I've got to have the right feel. That's why I've partnered with Link Soul, and you're going to love Link Soul. They have just released their new spring line, new fabrics for their polos, lightweight and perfect for technical performance. Link Soul also has new styles for their layers and hoodies with cool prints and seasonal colors. You know what they say in the big leagues, look good, play good. Go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.